Welcome to the 2023 Oakland pregame show here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Network. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with me on the line, two very good friends of mine who we've been going back and forth well over a month now, proving each other wrong and proving each other, well, honestly, not that well in tune sometimes with uh, the world of Supercross, especially when it comes to the first person that we have to throw it to, the, 2000, the 1990 125 East Supercross champion, Denny Stevenson. Denny, how's it going? That's good, bad Brad. Thank you for having me. As always, always a pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you and uh, my longtime friend Checkers. And uh, let's get into. We got Oakland coming up. We just had Tampa in the back in the back wheel. So uh, let's make some shit happen tonight. And it does appear that you are today brought brought to you by or brought to us by our friends over at uh, Race Tech as well as Renin. As uh, looks like uh, Pete Fox hooked you up. Yeah, old friends, you know, always good stuff. And uh, yeah, appreciate the Pete Fox Renin uh, swag two seven on the sleeve. And uh, yeah, we're here to have a good time tonight and talk about some racing, which we we all we all love. If you're listening, if you're on the show, we love this shit and we're about to get into it. Right on, man. Number 27, your program, number one in your hearts. And now brought to you by Race Tech. He leaves without a trace. He came here tonight to get on Denny's case. He's the crush grooving, the body moving, the record making and the record breaking. It's Chris Riesenberg, the voice of Riesenberg. What's going on? Well, I'm going to come in really, really quiet and silent tonight and just not make any hot takes because I took a freaking beating last weekend in our head-to-head challenge uh, that we'll get into. It's uh, it was pretty rough. So, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of float along, and then I might just have to jump out and snake Debo right when he's least expecting it to prove his ass wrong. Well, you're gonna have to lick your wounds for the beginning of this podcast, but or this show. Uh, but how about we get straight into the race tech? Rapid recap brought to you by Race Tech. Race Tech Gold Valves, basically a revalve in a box. In a box, don't believe me? Call them up directly or via email. Great customer service. And guess what? If you mention Big MX Radio, you're also going to save some money. So your lap times are going down, and you've got some extra cash in your wallet to hit the track a couple extra times. Go ahead with it, there, Chris. Well, you know, Brad, I actually um realized that you still don't have a race tech hat yet but i have great news we finally got some new hats in in california so that means i can send you some but i figure maybe later in the show when we have a few more people in here we should probably give one away maybe a shirt absolutely one of our lucky viewers that maybe they have to support me on telling denny he's wrong though so we'll get into that later um we'll bring it back up you make a note of it because i will probably forget because i'm gonna get all hyped up speaking of hyped up how good was the racing last weekend? Let's get into the headlines. Lawrence goes hunting and Nate gets thrashed in the last turn. The 250 man event went down into the last turn. Debo, what did you think about that? Checkers, Brad, I mean, um, and everyone at home, I mean, you cannot ask for a better ending. Um, Hunter, Hunter fucking Lawrence. You know, half the time, um, I love him. You know, he uh, he does it very well under the radar compared to his brother. He didn't get a good start. He just started picking up laps, and he uh, chased down old Nate there at the end. Nate got a little uncomfortable with some lappers. I love the line. I, I, I'm not really so sure I love the line that, that Nate took in the sand. I think he should have waited for uh, Hunter to get a little wide of him and then take him to the to the outside line instead of cut across the inside. Either way, um Nothing but respect for both those guys. I've actually done the same thing to Mike Jones 30 years ago on a last lap, last corner type move. So 
nothing but respect for Hunter and Nate, uh, as we talked about many times. And he even said on the broad and on the broadcast Saturday night, he gets a start, he's probably going to win. And uh, he came about what five seconds short of that. Great night of racing, two uh, incredible riders, and the future of our sport. Yeah, definitely, it's cool to see Thrasher bounce back. Speaking of bounce back. Webb blows past Sexton in the whoops to win. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Webb going past Sexton in the whoops, using them to his advantage. Um, Brad, what did you see? Well, I'll tell you who saw it coming was probably Chase Sexton, given the fact that he was on the ground at the time, probably looked over his shoulder to see the big bad number two barreling down the whoops and um, just color me as surprised. Color me as also fed up with Cooper Webb constantly making me feel like maybe he's maybe he's had it maybe he, his best days are behind him and then he just like shoves those words down my throat uh proves me wrong and makes me look like a total jackass when it comes to a- analyzing this sport because i can't figure this guy out every time i count him out which i am now done with uh cooper webb makes me eat my words he he sprints off to an awesome win um while the rest of his competition honestly i can't think of anyone who is even close to, to to Cooper Webb that even remotely could say that it had a decent night. I guess Chase Sexton still gets a second place on the night. Not bad, but compared to what he wanted, wasn't the win that he wanted. Uh, great, great for great for Webb. Honestly, got to be frustrating for Sexton. And those are mounting, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll dive into that um, a little bit more. And I mean, the difference between uh, Sexton bringing a red plate into Oakland and, and not was that was that crash as well. Holy crap, though. One of the stories of the 250 East that's quickly developing is, is Max Anstey. We saw it the first weekend coming out fastest, getting, and then we, we were joking about the 280 kit because they were making comments that his bike was so fast. So then we go to, uh, we go on to Tampa and I mean, he's not going to run a cheater bike then because he might get torn down. Right. So headline is on a 250, Anstey can only manage a third. Danny, talk to me. Well, I think we're all we're we're all pleasantly surprised by what uh, Max Ancy slash Brock Lesnar with that fucking muscle build back he's got. Hot wife, make it shit happen. Uh, a great team, firepower Honda. Max is making it happen, man. I mean, what has it been? Uh, what five, ten years since he went one one into motocross the nations? Um, when I worked at Smith Optics with Doc Wobb, another British fellow, uh, is when Max first kind of came over to the over to the U.S. and. I did not expect this from him. I did not expect him to go one, one and qualifying at, uh, at round one for him. And then followed up with some seriously fast lap times at round two here in Tampa. Max Stancy is for real. And even uh, Blair was talking about it in the broadcast. Like he, this kid could be uh, not a kid. He's a 30 old adult, late twenties adult, whatever he is, is, is going to be, it could be a hot property, but uh, firepower Honda has him locked down for 2024 and, I, uh, I'm pumped. I'm excited to see new guys come into this. People want to complain and say he's older. Should he, should he be in a 2D class? I say, all oh, more power to you. 2D class is what it is. It's uh, it's no longer a, 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 a starter series as they want to pretend it to be. And it will always be East-West, I hope. But Max Ancy, clearly for real. For sure, absolutely. Um, just looking at our script, I was some the guy that wrote it was obviously completely an idiot because the – the other one mentioned Fran is still. So I'm just going to make this one up on the fly. We're going to stick with star racing. Justin stays in the coop and also in the top 10 for the second week in a row. What do you think, Brad? Justin Cooper. On, like as advertised, honestly, th- this kid has produced 
at every level, at every discipline that we've seen him in professional motocross and supercross. The rockiest point in Justin Cooper's career was at the very, very beginning of his 250 career when it was a couple of races and then he got hurt. I believe that was at Houston in 2018. Um, it's it's incredible to watch this kid. Every time he gets up to the next uh, next bike, he seems to get even smoother and, and even more adept to... Uh, and the one thing I love about Justin Cooper is that he doesn't read the the, the last names on the jerseys around him. Whether he's at uh, Morecross the Nations, absolutely crushing it, Captain Canada, Captain, you know, not Captain Canada, he's Captain USA, uh, Captain America, just crushing it for everybody. Uh, and honestly, it does not. It, he actually reminds me a little bit of a young Tim Ferry, who, when he went to the 450 uh, or went to the 426 back in the day, uh, that immediately kind of smoothed out Red Dog, and he was able to even kind of put an exclamation point on that really smooth style. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that from Justin Cooper right now. Love to see it for sure. And we're going to stick with rookies on in the Star Camp. We all we all probably figured this was coming eventually, but maybe not in his second race. Deegan wins heat, receives Hall of Fame nomination. Debo, what about <laughs> the kid? Yeah, you know, I've uh, you know, I, I have a I have a, 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 a Instagram post that I uh, pulled up that I have, I'm going to share here this week. That's from seven years ago. Um, I, I messaged with his dad Brian this week. I've known Brian. Obviously, we're from both from Nebraska, Omaha. His dad was a Bellevue uh, school Bellevue uh, school attendant. Uh, he's the one that pretty much made me graduate from high school superintendent and big fan. My mom and dad are as well. Uh, all of Nebraska, I think, are following this this whole dream story and, and all the chaos that kind of has, has come along with it. From Loretta's the bike, uh, you know, all the bullshit. Man, he looked good, and he got out front early. The uh, there it is, right there. Big Brian dropping the bike over LA Coliseum, but he rode smart, man. It started downpouring on him, and uh, clearly that first heat race was, with the first lap and a half, I lost pretty much half my MXD team. Everybody going down, and he just got stronger, got smarter. I've, I've said it from day one. His mom, Marissa, pretty much gave birth to him on a Supercross track. He probably has more laps on a Supercross track than 99% of the of the 250 class, and I believe that muscle memory. That wisdom, that comfort level, that no matter how crazy it gets, I really see Hayden just getting better and stronger as he gets more time on the track, not on the track necessarily, but against the competition, understand where he fits in, who he can beat, what he can do, what he get away with, who he can dive bomb. But man, that heat race was a, was a, was a whole shot and gone. And uh, I think Hayden Deegan, as we can all agree with, is here to stay and he's for real. Yeah, he just keeps getting better and better and better. And I mean, we talked about writing somebody off and, and one of the guys at the KTM camp that we thought we'd written off was Cooper Webb. Well, don't look too far across the truck to his teammate, Aaron Plessinger. He has definitely bounced back and is, I mean, it's a contract year. This is important. I mean, I thought he might very well be out of the sport if this year didn't go well um, and go into race in the woods or something, but that'll be, bring us to our next headline. Plessinger giddies up on the podium. Yeah. Oh, what do you got, Brad? Yeah, this kid is so much fun to watch. Are you kidding me? One of the things I love within the sport of motocross is motocross and supercross racers who make it look like being a professional racer is a fun job to have. 
Guys like Carmichael back in the day, there's times in his career that he did not make being as dominant as he was look like any fun whatsoever. Same thing with James, Ryan Villapoto, and even Ryan Dungey to a, uh, to a lesser extent. He was just more robotic. When it comes to uh, Plessinger, it, it's it's amazing to watch this kid just, just he flows with the bike and I, his results just like seem to like kind of soar with that personality it brings out even more of it and uh, i absolutely love to see it uh he's a character within the sport he connects to uh, a, a group of fans who i believe truly believe are the the vital core of the sport the people who go to their local dealer chat up their their local parts guy until the guy's arm falls off and absolutely love it so yeah no i'm super stoked on it and uh yeah can't say enough good things about that young man and uh yeah you you'd swear he's from he's from Ohio is he not are you sure he's not from uh South Tennessee <laughs> I never knew Ohio was that redneck right <laughs> I know right like he's like how y'all doing like he's awesome and I agree 100% with you brother it's uh it's great to see Aaron Plesser having fun enjoying the sport finding success and riding his ass off because he rides with a ton of heart and that's what it's all about man just letting it all hang out and uh 100% with you brother yeah, the, the train keeps on rolling. It seems like once he's dialed in and having fun, we've seen it in his 250 days. And we saw it right at right during the Yamaha time when right before he signed this KTM deal, when it was rolling before he got hurt, it, it really started rolling. So neat to see. Um, also, something else that's neat to see for me as a fan is all the contact that goes on. We saw a lot of it this weekend. And it brings us to our next headline. Anderson goes, bam, bam, gets slapped with a penalty. I don't even think I need to guess what Debo is going to say about this, but go for it, Denny. I think we were going to agree on this. Well, let's let's be honest. I mean, the AMA six month probation is is, is pretty much a fucking joke. You know, no one gives a shit with that, that thing. So I don't think anyone's going to, it's a slap in a hand as a spank on the butt of your, a a toddler. But the biggest thing is, is what Jason is, is what we said at the very beginning and and something I questioned when a one started, I was worried if Jason was going to feel the weight of the pressure of coming in with seven wins and a possible uh, Supercross favorite. And he came in complete under the radar. All the talks about Ken, all the talk was about Eli's 2023 bike. All the talk was about everything but Jason Anderson. But as we've seen for the last five rounds is Jason Anderson is in another planet right now. Um, I'm a big fan of his, his mechanics, fucking a badass. Cowie makes shit happen, but man, I don't know where Jason Anderson's head is right now. Um, I, I, I've said it again, a thousand times when you, when you got to take someone out and you take yourself out with them, you're a fucking idiot basically. And I'm not calling Jason Anderson a fucking idiot. I'm calling anybody just takes someone else out there's one thing and there's a right thing and you don't take yourself out in that process. And it looked like he was so consumed about running Justin high that he just completely forgot about the race. And they both went down a heap and it just, cause these mental errors that Jason is so worried about tweeting and getting after uh, Barsha and then yelling at Barsha, then yelling at lap riders, even after he won a, a race at the triple crown. I just don't think that Jason Anderson is mentally in, in this, in this championship. And I don't mean to, to bash the man, because uh, like I said, I love watching him ride. He rides a motorcycle as almost incredible as anybody, but wherever his head's at right now, it's not in this championship and he's completely lost focus of what it takes to beat Eli Tomac and Chase Sexton. And right now, Cooper Webb, because he is, he's clearly the fourth guy on the totem pole and that's not going to win you a title in 2023. Can I chime in on this one? Yeah, of course, Brad. Honestly, for Jason Anderson, 
the like it's it's no more games this season. He 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 has lost all room for for error going down the stretch now. Like he has to rattle off multiple wins, something that he hasn't done since late last year when his closest competition were almost at that point either injured or fully focusing on outdoors. I I don't see him being able to be able to do that right now. Um, and, and he has put himself at a huge disadvantage over 20 points down after, uh, after six rounds or five rounds or whatever it has been. And, uh, yeah, he's dug himself a hell of a hole and, um, yeah, like I, you know what he, he does do well here at, at Oakland. He's had a win here in the past, but this is, this is not good. And reason for alarm. If you are, uh, if you're an El Hombre fan. Yeah. I mean, the speed's definitely not the problem. It's still there. But the lack of focus, I mean, I, as Denny said, I think he he literally forgot to turn the corner because he was focused on just running it in there. And, I mean, first lap of the race. Um, hopefully he wheel, he's flying wide over the berm, man. What, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a point of contact and a point of pivot, and he just carried it right over to the front end, went over the berm, and, and fell. And it's just – that's just stupid shit. And, and someone who knows how to knock someone down like like I have in the past and, and deal with Marsha, yeah, huge mistake. Huge mental mistake that seems to keep happening. Yeah, I mean, and the track might have been a little slick or whatever, but here's the thing. It's been happening, and I think the, the penalty is complete bullcrap, but we'll move on. I'm sure we'll get into that more later, too, because I am I have plenty to rant about tonight, and one of them is about to happen right now because I'm going to take this headline all to myself. People got upset at RC for not enough Daytona track changes, so Dirtworks adds extra changes to the Tampa track. Holy crap, I we all saw the whoops thing happen and kind of heard about that where they shortened the whoops throughout the day, which by the way, they were already not that big of whoops. And then I found out they also changed the shape of them, making them mellower. Um, I did find out from a very, very, very good source that it didn't come from DeCoster that they, they chose to make the changes on the official side of things. Um, and that DeCoster didn't bring it up, although that's the room where everyone loves to go to and, you know me, just like the 280 thing with Anstey or whatever. I love to beat a good storyline in, even if it's wrong. Um, it's just entertaining. But then also to find out, if you remember the huge pile up on the first lap of the LCQ and the, or the heat, first heat race in the 250 class off the Dragon's Back, it was because they went in and modified the freaking Dragon's Back and didn't tell anyone about it. So guys come around first lap. Colin Park, I believe, was in second place. He was flipping over the bars, and about four other dudes plow into him and also go over the bars. We've seen this crap before at Daytona. They have a flat whoop section, go in before the heat race, build these things up as monsters. So they come in fourth gear pinned like they were in practice. No sight lap. No one tells them anything, and half the field's laying on the damn ground. Then we talked about it online a little bit this week, and Will Hans like, that's pretty much what ruined my 450 career. Came around the first lap of a heat with a jump. They shaved the face, so instead of seat bouncing it, like he needed to do because he didn't know the face was smaller. He hit it standing up like he normally would cause him to go over the bars, get hurt, ruined his 450 career. I've had my friend Cody Gilmore have his freaking jaw wired shut because they took a lip off and on off and didn't tell anyone. I personally had it happen in arena cross. We were stepping over a table and they decided to go out after before the night show and just add a knuckle on the end of the table and don't tell anyone when you clip it, you freaking case your brains out. It happens time and time and time again. This sport's dangerous enough. I mean, if they water at the local track in intermission, they send the guys out for a freaking parade lap to see the track. We're at the highest level of the sport where they're going balls out at the 
highest level, the first lap of professional supercross, blind on a track because they and they're making changes without telling anyone. At least tell them about the freaking changes if you're going to do it, although you shouldn't be doing it at all. It is absolutely ridiculous. Thank goodness that nobody got super hurt, as far as I know, at at last weekend's race, but it's got to stop. I mean, these are only ones that I know about and that we're talking about, and we know that there's obviously a lot more that have happened. It's absolutely uncalled for and ridiculous, and that is my race tech rant right now for the night. We can move on, Brad, to maybe something a little happier. Well earned. That was very, very well said, Checkers. And uh, a lot of that I didn't realize. So, yes, very well said, very well done, very well expressed. Yeah, this sport is way too fucking dangerous as it is to make those subtle changes because a subtle change is definitely a huge change when you're jumping a bike. I did not know that about Wilbur. Uh, big fan of his. And uh, yeah, that's fucked up. So, agree with you, brother. Well, here's the thing about Chris Riesenberg that I have come to know over the last six, eight weeks. The two of, our, two of us have become no uh, damn near best friends. <laughs> Sometimes he makes no sense, but honestly, the guy is extremely thorough. He wants the details. He digs a little bit deeper, and there's a whole lot of things that can piss this guy off. Um, And and (laughs) what that creates is some damn good race tech uh, rants that uh, that that can come spewing out in any particular moment, especially when uh, things go sideways when it comes to safety. But next up. Round two. We're five rounds into this thing. Next up is round two. The the <laughs> this is this is presented by BigMXRadio.com. We are over a 910 podcasts released. When we started doing this podcast, we were over in the 800s. That's only a month ago. That means there is no less than 15 or 16 podcasts waiting for you over on iTunes as well as Spotify for you to binge on, whether it's interviews or just straight up recaps and uh, reviews and previews like this one. You can listen to it over at BigMXRadio.com or you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. We're going back to Cali, to Cali, to Cali. After two weeks of racing on the on the East Coast, the beasts of the East are going to have a rest for one week's time. We're heading back to what is kind of a baseball stadium, but it's one of those old school hybrid stadiums, something you don't see very often at all anymore. It's a huge floor at Oakland. It's also one of the oldest stadiums on the series, which uh, creates some situations for us. But honestly, it's going to be really, really interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Chris, I know you got some extra details to roll through, so why don't you do that for us? Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm super excited to go back to West. It feels like forever since those guys have raced. To be honest, um, we if you look at the track map, um, and unless DeCoster is already there, they have a whoop <laughs> section a super long gnarly dragon's back and then another whoop section. And I did see on the Dirtworks Instagram, at least one of the whoop sections is a loader set of whoops, which usually means sharper, steeper and bigger. Although we haven't seen a big set of whoops this year. Maybe we finally get one of those, which would be great. Um, Such a long travel for the privateers this week. I feel for those guys. I'm guessing that a few will actually probably skip the race and not do it at all and stay and just head over to Texas. Um, I know some of them are carpooling together. I know Starling actually had his band sent out. I think Cardinal stuff's with his and, and maybe even one of the riders just cramming in a van. Um, and then well, last year's 450 podium at cramming. Oakland was, was pretty interesting. Um, it was Jason Anderson, Aaron Plessinger, and Justin Barsha. Tomac was fourth, Webb was seventh, and Sexton was ninth place. So can Anderson bounce back? Plessinger's been awesome. 
I feel like he can bring some momentum into this thing. Um, it'll be interesting as we, as we head to Oakland, you know, some cities guys just gel with some stadiums. You just brings you that good feeling going into them. Sometimes it doesn't matter. It's a fresh track every time, but a lot of times the dirt's similar. I think we're going to actually see some really good dirt because it's been fairly dry in California now, which means that since, since the rains that we had earlier this year, that means that the dirt works crew is really going to be able to maintain the dirt, how they want to, instead of chasing rain and covering it and that side of things. So super, super excited about heading to Oakland to ring central stadium and let's get it on with some more two fifty West. Absolutely. I, I can't think of a single time where Jason Anderson wasn't at least good at Oakland, like uh, it's something about the soil, something about the layout. Uh, obviously, he had a huge uh, tooth and nail battle his championship year with Ken Roxon, and he's the most recent winner here. Um, so you got to have uh, some uh, some pretty good feelings rolling into a, a town like Oakland. And and honestly, like El Hombre is a pretty rough around the edges guy, and Oakland's a kind of rough around the edges city. So the two of them are kind of married. I think the two of them go together like peanut butter and jelly. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a recipe for Jason Anderson to at least get his season going off in the right direction. I don't know if that's going to be a complete renaissance and turn himself into a title contender the rest of the year, but it might be a get right weekend for him in a venue that he's very familiar in. Yeah, I, I, I like this, this track. It's very similar to A1. Like you said, it's in a baseball stadium. It's not the usual, uh, you know, four-lane, five-lane uh, football stadium. Checkers and I have, have, have pretty aggressively argued the last couple of weekends about the tracks. And, uh, you know, I think this track, again, will remind us a lot of, uh, of a 90s track, not a lot of rhythm. I, I mean, just looking at the track map right in front of me right now. Um, there's not a lot of things you can just obviously pick out. There's not, there, I don't see a single on off, but thank God, because on off is the stupidest thing on the planet to have. Um, a couple of long sections of whoops, a short start straight, doesn't take up the entire stadium floor. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope these guys, uh, you know, it's, we won't have, I don't think the moisture and the, uh, the breakdown of the track, which we've seen the last few rounds, uh, especially last weekend with, with the rain in, uh, in Tampa. But I like the track. I think it's overall going to create a lot of, uh, of racing and something different than we've seen instead of just these guys having five lanes that they just jump, you know, obviously, what, two leaps and are from one end of the turn to the other. I, I, I don't like those type of tracks. I'm literally, really looking forward to this. And Oakland is a good town and it is dirty. And it's one of my last arena cross towns. And it's how I met Matt Biden, one of our homies. So um, I like Oakland and I'm excited to have these guys back. As far as I'm concerned, it's Raiders home. Fair enough. Guest of the podcast, Matt Biden. I'm going to have to dial him up again, uh, talk yeah. some uh, some step up. But uh, in this next segment brought to you by MXD360.com, which is a salary-based fantasy league. If you're not already playing it, uh, you need to. You need to add some more stress to your weekend, whether you play other fantasy games. Uh, regardless, play this one too. It's really easy to play. Uh, and you can sign up for a... a very small amount. I think Debo is it twelve bucks? Eleven ninety nine, brother. Eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine. Yeah. Win McGrath. And you be, yeah, you sign you sign up. First of all, let me know your your team name. I will throw you into the Big MX Radio League, and and then you're also with signing up, you're automatically entered to win the King's gear. The king himself, Jeremy yeah. McGrath, putting up a set of his Troy Designs gear. He's most likely going to scribble his name on there as well. So you're going to have a signed set of Jeremy McGrath gear, and that is just way too cool. And that's why this segment is 
brought to you by mxd360.com. They bring you the coolest prizes and it's one of the funnest fantasy games on the internet. You need to go do it. And uh, yeah, just uh, be be like me and be proven that you don't know a damn thing about Supercross every single weekend. It is extremely challenging and that's why it's fun. Let's roll into some rapid fire questions. Sound good, boys? Oh, yeah. All right. First one we have is for checkers. This this is a, a we switched this out on the, the last possible moment, but we're changing is from the Wilson Todd question is uh, can Cooper. Yeah. Can, can Justin Cooper get another top five or can he get a top five at uh, at in the, in the 2023 SX race in 450 class? Yeah, <laughs> we just got the breaking news that that Justin Cooper is in fact skipping his wine tasting for his wedding to go to Oakland. Thank goodness he gets to race again. But heck no, he's not going to get a top five because Bobby Reagan won't let him freaking race. Let the dude keep lining up. He's got two sevenths in a row. Then maybe he can get a top five. But if they're going to put him back on the couch and only let him do about four races, I just don't see a top five happening, although he's doing great. But, you know, I guess at least he has time to plan that stupid wedding. I think, I think he's coming back for Oakland, right? I mean, I last yeah, no, so he is coming back now. He's oh, yeah, skipping he's the wine back. tasting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, he, he is back wedding. in the fray. Um, color me surprised that his bike was on the truck. I, I'd imagine it's going everywhere with the team. I don't know why he's not racing, but we've already talked about that to nauseam here on the podcast before. Flipping things over to Debo. Here's one coming at you quickly, and a quick response would be appreciated. Do either Cameron McAdoo or RJ Hampshire keep it on two wheels this weekend? Well, Cameron is obviously one of the best crashes we ever had, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. He's up in Sioux City, Iowa. I, I love the fact that the way he's he broke into the scene, uh, you know, kind of off the off the radar. He went to Geico, and then a bunch of crazy shit happened. And we have seen him put in a, a, probably more effort than we've ever seen anybody. And I, I think that he's gotten a little smarter. He's got a little wiser to his mistakes and he wants to do better. I, I it's so much talent, like even with RJ Hampshire, Jesus Christ, man. I mean, I've ever seen anyone in the entire planet put himself on the ground more times than RJ has. And he did it with the triple crown. I mean, he wins the first moto of three jets on the ground. Everything's laid out for a win for him. And he proceeds to just grenade the next two rounds or next two races, whatever we want to call them, triple crown races, main, whatever the fuck we want to call them. Um, I've never seen one guy. Well, you know, Cameron's still learning as far as I'm concerned, but both riders ride way over their, their heart, whether their mentality, their, their, their skill level, whatever's going on, they need to dial it back and get to the finish line and get to that uh, podium because they're just handing everything to Jed. Jed has uh, had a, not, didn't have a great weekend at A2. Uh, you know, obviously he ended up on the ground twice in two out of three of the Triple Crown races. He still got a second, uh, still won the last round. He pretty much gave them both a gift and they both pissed it away. And, you know, I mean, when you have someone as incredible as Jed Lawrence, the future of the sport, everybody wants to just hand him the RCMC keys right now. But when he's on the ground, man, you got to take advantage of that. And both of them pissed it away. And so I'm hoping that they, uh, well, let's be honest. I think both their opportunities have been pissed away already. I don't, I don't think see either one of them beating Jet for the rest of the season. And uh, both great riders, but both need to get their shit together. Certainly. It, it certainly surprises me that, uh, yeah, Jet Lawrence, 
did have somebody beat him in one of the races. It happened to be a triple crown. Surprise, surprise. But neither one of his closest combatants in the championship were the person to do it. That was Levi Kitchen. He's coming off of a victory. Uh, as we flip things back over to checkers with maybe the most difficult question uh, that we're going to pose to either one of you on this very Thursday is checkers. Does Christian Craig ever get another top 10? Well, the question meant for this weekend, and it doesn't matter either way. He absolutely gets another top 10. Although initially I thought it was going to be a lot easier because I didn't think Justin Cooper was making the trip. And I do think that Cooper is a problem for him making a top 10. I think Adam Cincerillo rides better, which makes it tougher. But guess what? We just talked about the track map. And you know me, I like to beat the same point over and over and over again. And there's two whoop sections and a long dragon's back. And Christian Craig still is an elite talent when it comes to those items. I think a little bit of momentum is going to be going his way after he finally got a top 10. Things are starting to get settled into the season. He's still healthy, which is good. And he's still racing. I think he backs it up with another top 10 this weekend. Would not be surprised, actually. Can I ask one simple question? Will we ever see Christian Craig during practice or during a race at all? I I have never seen him. They have not showed him during once race day live. They never speak of him during a race. I have no idea where he's at. The only way I know he's at is through live timing. I've never seen a single. You can't trust that either. (laughs) More, more invisible is that Christian Craig has been, I'm not blaming Christian. I mean, does, does the camera guy, the producer ever want to fucking talk about this guy? He's coming off a, a championship 2D season. He's actually struggling a little bit. He's not real happy with the Husky, but we have not spoke about him fucking once. Like, Jesus Christ, people, let's get something together here. We have a dozen guys, 20 guys, and we have not seen Christian Craig once. Not Is it a rock star thing? Is there any chance it's a rock star thing? No, because I love Malcolm Stewart. Fair enough. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, no, I, honestly, I, I don't know, Denny. I, yeah, he like, like He's you hear more about other guys around him than you do about Christian Craig specifically. Go ahead, Chris. I'm I'm guessing he's glad they're not showing him because they're not highlighting how terrible he's doing. If you want to get camera time, then you get your butt up front and start going fast. Fair enough. These are rapid fire questions. We're failing at that. Debo, Fair should right. Savachi take a fill in ride if offered? Yeah, that's a crazy question. You know, I, I, Joey's doing phenomenal. Um, you know, he obviously uh, is uh, quite a character of the sport. Um, I, I, he's doing, he's what he's got. I don't think, did he get top 10 this last round? I don't even fucking remember. Just so many guys run, run well. Joey's doing great. He's on a project Cowie in a sense with, uh, with, the, with the entire team he's running with. He's going to do world supercross. I think that his teams get his shit together. They're running what 15 different card teams. They can get together and put together what a $20,000 program for Joey to work on his own bikes and show up at a supercross. So uh, I think Joey should stick with his program, keep doing what he's doing, keep his head down, keep focused. But I don't know. I don't know what Joey has done to these, a lot of these teams because a lot of teams don't reach out to him. I don't, I don't know. He's a different character. I don't know if he, he's funny as hell on Twitter. He has uh, got a great personality. He says head to the ground, but you know, how Cole Nichols got the ride. He didn't get the ride. I don't know. Do you think factory teams want him to, to fill in or is he just satisfied where he's at? I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's definitely rumors out there that he's um, challenging to work with. Um, I like that. He's letting his personality come back out of like he was early in this two fifty days. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, I think from, it sounds like the team's working hard to try to make it so that they can do all the rounds. And be, if they do that, I see him staying put going world super crossing. Um, 
if you follow the old Rick Ware Racing on on their Twitter account, Rick's been on there saying they're they're trying to make it happen. Yeah, I'd lo- love to see it. Uh, Checks. Now that we've seen both in action, which coast is deeper, two fifty east or two fifty west? I think this one's pretty easy to answer now. Well, after all the injuries, it makes it really, really easy to answer. And and like I said, I'm just going to agree with Denny on everything in this show. It seems like the 250 <laughs> West is is definitely deeper at this point than the 250 East. Denny, you were right. <laughs> wow. I'm going to write that down. I'm, I'm that I was gonna give, can we mark this? Can we can we <laughs> mark the calendar? Uh, yes. Right here. <laughs> February 16th at, at uh, 8.36 Central Time. <laughs> Chris tells Debo that he was correct. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. I, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> Debo, Pro Circuit has been absolutely mired with injuries so far. Even their fill-ins are, are, are feeling the pain left, right, and center. Uh, we found out this weekend or earlier this week that Carson Mumford uh, will not be racing due to uh, an additional crash, not just because of the uh, prolonged recovery of his wrist injury that he sustained in December. Uh, this is a new injury. Um, are all of these PC injuries just a coincidence? The fact that they're all just sort of like centered around one team, or is it possible that Mitch Payton is doing something wrong with his team over there at Kawasaki? Um, you know, for someone who has as much uh, respect and, and, and adoration and love for Mitch Payton and somebody who's always supported my career as, as Mitch has over the years, um, I've ridden at that track there off, uh, off the 15 and something's going on, man, you know, and, it, and I always look at, you know, old coaches, old theories don't t- tend to always work nowadays. The, uh, I, 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 from the past, I always understood that. Mitch Payton built a motorcycle <clears throat> and his bikes were so phenomenal that they would just put someone on it and they would succeed. And he could get riders very cheaply because riders just wanted to ride the motorcycle. Then went to, went to four stroke and he instantly hired an NG 500 builder who made his, those cowies just fire breathers. So again, he could get anyone cheaply, anyone show up, wanted to ride his bike because his bikes were just better. Um, I even asked Ivan Tedesco at, at Millville and Loretta's when we were kind of just hanging out, standing at each other. Cause he's doing a lot of work with uh, Seth Hamaker. He's doing a lot of work with Mitch, obviously. And he says, yeah, you know, that that's kind of his job is to find each rider, their specifics, their, their prep, for, uh, what they prefer on the motorcycle. They're not trying to just give one motorcycle to all four to six guys that they have right now, but what's going on right now is unprecedented. They have lost, uh, what, I mean, when you have Cameron McAdoo, one of the craziest bad motherfuckers on, on the, on the series is your only healthy guy on the team. Something's going on over there. And I don't know what it is. Uh, nothing respect for those, that entire team, but I don't know if they had to change things. They had to change, uh, the way things are handled, the way things are dealt with, but you know, when you got six guys, you only got one guy racing. There's something going on and I don't know what it is and I can't put pinpoint it. I'm not, and I, I, I would never doubt Mitch Payton, but something's going on and it's not, it's not working out. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine that this is a, a Mitch Payton or a pro circuit Kawasaki thing specifically. I think that injuries are prevalent within the sport every single year. Uh, sometimes they're evenly distributed. Sometimes they are not. That's just the way it goes. Uh, heaven knows at the, through the middle to late two thousands team Honda, uh, outdoors on a 450 essentially didn't exist uh, between Tedesco and uh, Canard and Millsaps. Um, 
Grant. The, Grant, the, the Kiwi. Yeah. Who's Kiwi? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hurting, <laughs> always. Those guys were, were – it was a walking triage unit all the time. Moving on to our next segment, a favorite segment of mine, where these guys take put the gloves on and square up for a 1v1, just like Arena Cross. This this particular segment brought to you by airwheeliesonly.com. Yes, that is a real website, and uh, you can go there to, uh, to peruse how badly I'm doing in uh, the survivor pools. Uh, I'm still alive in the 450 only one, but I think every single weekend I have multiple strikes in the uh, the Super Supercross uh, Survival League. So uh, yeah, you can um, you can make fun of my displeasure on that. Uh, last week, Debo was correct five out of the six, and this Ooh. is the real portion of the show where Chris Riesenberg ha- hangs his head with considerable amounts of shame. Are we throwing it to me or are we throwing it to Checkers? I think it's just the silence from Checkers is more than enough. Yeah, that's um, all right. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, I'm getting my but, game face on. It is. All right, perfect. On. Here we go. Hit the, I don't, I don't have a bell, but I should probably get one to ding, start ding, the ding, first ding, round. Ding, ding. D-ball, I'll throw it to you first. Pierce Brown versus Talon Volan. Who's going to finish better this weekend coming up at Oakland? Home race well, for Volan. Well, I think Checkers and I can both agree on this one, and I hate the fact that you that I was handed uh, Pierce Brown because I think Pierce Brown is is an incredibly uh, under uh, under uh, deliverer. He uh, is, but there's a chance that anything is going to go well. And I mean, it's tough racing motocross is tough. So we're we're having this conversation, and we're speaking uh, negatively, not negatively, but uh, judging these riders. It, it, it is it is it's critical. You know, criticize these guys. It's a critical conversation. It's analysis. And nothing's handed to anyone, but I have to admit, and uh, I, I think Pierce Brown handed this two-year deal with the over there at the uh, Trolley uh, Rockstar or Red Bull team is completely un, unnoticed, unneeded, unre- unreasonable. Because I think Pierce Brown, whenever there's, whenever there's a chance to crash, he will. He is uh, he hasn't lived up to the hype. Uh, will Hahn once yelled at me on, on Twitter about that entire fact. It's like he's only 19. I'm like. I don't know, man. He's like with 20 now and he spends most of the time on the ground. Max Bowen in their hand is, uh, is, I think he's learning. I, I, I don't like the fact that he's missed a handful of main events. Um, I think both these guys are what three or four years into their pro career and have both completely underwhelmed uh, in the whole entire thing. And so I, I'm not even going to pick either one of them. I'm going to throw it to checkers and let him see what he says. Well, what, what was interesting is, both of these guys are on, on factory motorcycles and they both missed a main event already this year when we're three rounds into the, the 250 West coast, um, which is just absolutely unacceptable and ridiculous. Um, Browns was because he crashed, but I don't care. You're still, you crash out of a freaking race and a qualifier. Like you can't do that. It's just, it's dumb. It, it can't happen. Um, I, I simply would argue for Volan because I feel like he's going up and I feel like Brown is getting worse. He's he was better two years ago than he is right now. I have no idea what's going on. That that team and program is awesome and cool and laid back and fun. And I mean, they were really producing good results with Cole Seely and Will Hahn back in the day when they were unheard of and really launched their careers. And then since they've gotten the factory programs and like the le- quote legit programs, they really have underperformed and underwhelmed based on the talent level of their riders. It's insane. You watch the GPs, the 
grooming program that KTM has over there is amazing. Like you throw anyone on their MX2 program and they're going to be a title contender and most likely win. Like they've figured it out over there, but here in the U S they just, they can't do it in the 250 class. I mean, the titles that they have won are guys, Marvin Muskan, or um, I mean, they've, they ran up front, I guess, outdoors with Alessi, like when they had, uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like they, they haven't had much success at all on the Austrian bikes over here, bringing guys up. I don't know who to argue for because really it's whichever one makes the freaking main event. I'm going to guess that Max Voland has a better chance of staying on two wheels, but Pierce Brown has more speed. I'm going to hope that the off weeks helped Pierce Brown figure out what, who the heck he is and he can at least keep it on two wheels for one weekend. So my pick is going to be Pierce Brown beats Max Voland. Um, Debo, you can pick whichever one. Still. I'm going Max. Yeah, I think I, I'm complete opposite. I think Max will get his shit together. He's already run really, very strongly. Um, I, I can't trust Pierce Brown to even keep it on two wheels more than uh, five laps. Well, there you go. I think, uh, Checkers, you, you got to go with uh, with Brown now. Yeah. Mark is that where Brown. your heart is? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm absolutely – I'm. it's funny. We flip-flopped picks of where I even thought we would go because <laughs> Danny was pushing so hard on the on the Volan missing the main yeah. event thing. And totally. I still – I have a lot of faith in Max making this thing a career. Uh, yeah. I do think they made a mistake not pushing him early enough to just to start learning and, and trying to, like, make it a little too easy on him um, because I think now he's his rookie year, which – sucks it should have been two years ago but um i'm gonna go pierce brown for this weekend but as a career i think max volan has a way higher ceiling well certainly she he's she's shown some flashes over the years uh especially in that first year i believe he was either second or third in times uh before dislocating his hip there and he's been coming back from that ever since next on the docket we have cameron mcadoo versus RJ Hampshire, we've kind of already had this conversation, but Checkers, I'll leave it to you first to pick which one you're going to go with and make your argument as to which one's going to finish better here at Oakland. Well, I will make it brief because we have already gone through it. Um, RJ Hampshire crashes more than Cameron McAdoo. McAdoo actually was on the podium all five races last year. He's been good this year other than his huge crash in practice at Anaheim, but he's honestly been more solid than he has been in the past the reputation is probably because he crashes so freaking hard when he does crash, but he also won't quit and won't give up. Um, and RJ, he won't either. He'll get up and just crash again and again because he, he they're both a ton of effort. You know, and I appreciate that. And they both honestly stay on the racetrack and finish a lot more races than a lot of their counterparts, even though they're hitting the ground harder. But Cameron McAdoo has a much better chance of staying on two wheels and finishing on the podium uh, because of that. So I'll go with Cameron McAdoo. Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to argue with the checkers. I mean, I, uh, this is a debate we've already had. Two incredibly talented riders, two incredibly uh, riders who are famous for crashing, and you know, I'm a big fan of Cameron. I think RJ's faster and more structured. So, if you're going Cameron, I guess obviously I'm going RJ. So let's uh, let's move on to sec- let's go on to the next level. <laughs> Well, I guess that one's a tie. I think that'll be just be a complete wash. Uh, you guys are supposed to be battling each other tooth and nail, uh, landing blows and uh, the odd jab, jab here and there. But so far, you guys are just holding hands. Maybe we'll have a, a different effect here. But um, let's switch things over to the 450 class. AP Aaron Plessinger versus Ken Roxon, the German. Uh, who's going to finish better at Oakland? Take it away, Debo. Did you really just ask me if... Uh, oh yeah, Plessinger and Roxon. 
Well, you know what? You know, I, I, I'm never going to speak. But this is, when I speak of what I speak of, it's not negative Ken. It's not negative Hep. It's not negative of, 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 of this mechanic, Travis Sewell. It's, it's the fact you're putting on uh, one of the best riders, that, that are talented riders who's been through hell and back on a fucking six-year-old motorcycle. And I don't give a shit if you put him on. You can put him on bolt-on parts you want. Let's put some more pipes on. Let's put some more electronics on. Let's put some more factory connect suspension on him. I don't give a shit. It's an old, outdated motorcycle. Ken Roxon would be top three right now if he was on the same Paris bike he rode, that Honda, that firepower Honda. He looked phenomenal on that bike. And people want to go, oh, you know, what did he, let's, let's compare stats from last season. Ken came into Anaheim one sick, one out of the blue, and he told you he didn't even want to, didn't even deserve to win that race. And then he just kind of petered out because he was sick. He's got a lot going on with his head, his injuries, all this shit he's got going on. Ken Roxon. Right now, in 2023 Supercross, if he was on that firepower Honda, nothing to do with the team, nothing to do with HEP, nothing else, he would have already had maybe one win and probably three podiums. Um, I don't see him ever getting more better than he has right now on that on that sled of a, a 450 Suzuki. And I say that, you know why? Because I've ridden the bike. It's long. It's heavy. It doesn't turn. Suzuki's turn on a dime. That bike does not, that bike does not turn on a dime. So... I'm tired of arguing with people. I'm tired of pushing this fucking point, you know, uh, get off the train, get off the wagon. Um, it's nothing against uh, anyone else, but if you could ride a six-year-old motorcycle, then why is it, why are these motor manufacturers building new bikes every fucking year? Chris, well, tell me he's wrong. I, I'm, I'm going to just point out the fact that Roxon has been in the top five of every fucking race, except one this year. Pardon my That's friend. That's because he's Ken Roxon. But Here's the thing. Do you think Aaron Plessinger is going to be the top five in every single race? So that's the argument. Is it Aaron Plessinger or Ken Roxon? AP is riding great. I said earlier, we're going to Oakland. I can argue all day for him. But the fact of the matter is, is, is Roxon has been consistently getting it done. I mean, the off the track stuff is just absolutely freaking ridiculous. And don't get me started on that rant because the company comes in after one race, bails you out. You tell everyone how great your motorcycle is. So when you sign with Suzuki, and then all of a sudden, after one race, you're switching suspension companies. You go get the new company, and everything's so great again. And then you come off of last weekend's track and say that the suspension company doesn't know anything about your motorcycle. What are you talking about? Like those guys just invested a ton of time and effort into you, and you just throw them under the bus and use them as an excuse for you not getting on the podium. Ken Roxon, you need to go faster. Um, but he's been in the top five. He beat Eli Tomac last weekend. Tomac started right behind him and he ran away from him. And I mean, that's a whole nother story. But so that's the argument for Ken Roxon. I can't, I can't go with it. I got to go Aaron Plessinger because he's rolling right now. He's having fun. Yeah, baby, we're going back on the podium again is what he's hoping for. I'm going to guess he's going to be fourth or fifth, but I do think he will be in front of Roxon. And after I saw Roxon's social media meltdown after last weekend, I'm guessing that the post or the mid-season slide starting about right now yeah we're, we're not, doing we're not doing all right here we're doing a lot of agreement here it's, it's i was gonna say this is this is no. completely no. off the rails although <laughs> i think you guys might disagree on this one uh two of the last three rounds we've seen some very uncharacteristic things from eli tomac we saw uh, a big crash at anaheim two ended up him on the ground a 13th at one of the triple crown races ends up with a sixth overall he ends up winning in one of the most impressive races we've seen him have on a Yamaha the following weekend in Houston. And then he responds to that race with a very pedestrian and basically, well, for all 
for all intents and purposes, left in the dust uh, 30 seconds back in fifth place. Uh, is it is it Eli Tomac or is it Eli Tomac? Who's going to finish better uh, or who, who shows up uh, this weekend in Oakland? I'll let Debo take this. Is it going to be Eli or is it going to be Elito? Let me clarify uh, the question because it's not just for one weekend. It is, does Alito Matt come back in 2023 at all during the year? Because I don't think you can predict it in one weekend because Alito Mac, you never know when he's going to come out, if he's coming out, but go ahead. Well, it's, well, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's funny. If I have to explain this again, you know, uh, years ago when I saw that Eli was not living up to the potential, but I thought, and many thought that he could accomplish, uh, I came up, well, I didn't come up with it, honestly. Someone else misspelled his name in a post, Eli Tomac, and he spelled it Elito Mac. It's amazing. And I read that, and I was like, damn, that's fucking superhero shit right there. That's like doppelganger, like uh, the dark side of Spider-Man, you know, everything. And it that was now, that, was, that became so alter my, ego. His alter ego, his doppelganger, the 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 dark side of Eli Tomac, who was an incredible, talented, fantastic rider, but also Alito Mac, who was the fucking guy who crashes because his front brake rotor's bent, got a crash, he takes five minutes to get up, he's got a butt in his pants, he doesn't go to the nations and all this shit. So I just kind of jumped upon it and went with Alito Mac and. I could not be happier than what Eli Tomac has accomplished. Um, we, him and I have had a lot of banter back and forth. Um, when he won the donations, I sent him a, a huge congratulations and I'll never ever share our text message. But the one thing he said is like, man, you're right. Motocross the nation is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever done. And winning was one of the coolest things. And I, and I'm so happy for him to reach this ability and his talent and his ex- excellence level of excellence you know i've known him since he was on minis on suki's and budman coached him and um i don't think alito mac is going to be the guy that comes back you know obviously he had a huge crash two weeks ago and i've had people even kind of you know comment and post and comment to me and send me messages you know is eli gonna just ride it out because he's now older and he doesn't want to get hurt and that crash was gnarly i don't know that crash was pretty gnarly but he, he flipped around and landed on a tough block i don't think it's something that scared him i don't think anything was something that was uh, he was aware of. I have no idea that what happened last weekend. He read what, what we had fifth or sixth fastest qualifying time. Uh, he got distance in his heat race. He got ghosted in the main event. He was basically out just riding around. But you know the difference is between Eli Tomac and Elito Mac. Elito Mac would have crashed, taken an hour to get up, and would have got probably a fifteenth and lost a ton of points. Eli's still leading the points. He's up two on Sexton. He's up four on to Cooper Webb. Uh, I think he's too smart. I think he's too educated. I think he's too uh, wise. I think he's too talented. I think he's happy where he's at. We have not seen that smile that we've seen for a while. And uh, we're missing that smile. But I think Eli Tomac will return and Lito Mac is completely dead. Well, we, we saw that smile on the 4th of, uh, of February when he uh, basically fed everyone their lunch uh, at Houston. I think, uh, is he still your, your championship pick or uh, has, that, has that changed right now? No, absolutely. I think that uh, I don't think Chase is, is able to uh, put together a 17-week season. I've always said I think there's two things that uh, Eli, Eli Tomac has. He has speed. He has racecraft. Chase Sexton has speed, does not have the racecraft. Cooper, we- Cooper Webb has the racecraft, does not have the speed. When uh, when they come to a piston match, I believe Eli Tomac is better than both those riders and will come away as your 2023 Supercross champion and ride off the distance 
into the sunset, which will be a disappointment because we want to see more for him. But I don't think he owes us any more than he has, and he's a, a he's going to be our champion. Ah, yeah, Checkers. we're finally going to disagree. Guess <laughs> what? Last year, Bobby Reagan spent all of his money to pay Alito Mac to stay home. This year, he's spending all of his money to keep Gilliam Ferris at home. He's spending money to keep Justin Cooper at home. He ran out of budget to keep Alito Mac at home. So Alito Mac's going to show up to some races. And who is Alito Mac to me? Alito Mac is Eli Tomac when he's not comfortable. And he just, he's not going to put him in the situation. If you look at his career, he's had like what we were trying to think about it after his A2 huge crash. When do you remember Eli throwing himself on the ground? There's a reason he has this record of making all the races. It's because when he's not completely comfortable, he's going to back it down. Well, guess what? That Orlando or Tampa track was super slippery, challenging uh, because of the slippery conditions. Tomac was not comfortable. Guess what? I bet he's never ridden that 23 Yamaha on conditions like that. He missed a setting. He wasn't comfortable and he just rode around. Is a fifth better than the eighths that he used to get with Alito Mac? Yes, but it was just the first sign of him kind of peeking his head out of the closet just a little bit. And let me tell you, it can snowball if he starts to get a little bit uncomfortable, starts to not be as happy, loses confidence and faith in the race team. Alito Mac can absolutely come back out because guess what? Zebras don't change their stripes. Jordan Smith isn't going to quit crashing. RJ Hampshire is not going to quit crashing. And Bobby Reagan doesn't have enough money to keep Alito Mac at home as Eli's season goes on and he's on a brand new bike and clearly has a very, very narrow setup window that he's comfortable and they dang missed it last weekend. And once you miss it, once you start to lose a little bit of confidence, the newness is wearing off. The funness is going to can start wearing off. And I'm not saying that he isn't going to do great. He's not going to make things happen and be good most of the time. But I do think we see some Alito Mac rides this year. The shine off your, your wife's new fake tits do tend to run off. So, I mean, I don't completely agree with you, but uh, I, I <laughs> who do you think is going to beat him? Who do you think is going to be the champion? You think Eli, Eli Webb or Sexton is going to be this fucking title holder? Come on. Well, I'm going to keep driving got? the Sexton bandwagon like I did from the beginning of the year. It's it's a nerve-wracking place to go, and, and there might be some crashes and bumps along the way, but we're still only two points out of this thing, and we're still learning. We're still on our way up, and if there's one thing about Sexton's career that we've seen, he gets better and better and better and better, and he gets, he's on this gradual incline up. He has not taken a step back since he turned pro. He's gotten better every single year, and this year's no different. Guess what? He's in a better spot this year than he was a year ago, meaning he is getting better and he's learning. And that's what he does. Um, Tomac is a formidable competitor, as is Cooper Webb. And um, I think we're going to actually talk about that one here in just another minute. So I'm not going to go any more into it. But Alito Mac will rear his head in 2023. And I guess we'll have to wait till the end of Supercross to actually find out who's right on this one. Well, it's me and it is Alito. Eli Tomac that wins this championship. I'll be the decider, uh, judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to that discussion. Um, my superior knowledge of the sport has shown through yet again. Uh, it's time to throw things back to checkers uh, for a few points of this uh, of this contact sport we have called Supercross. Um, I think you, I think you missed some stuff here, didn't you? yeah no i thought we we're talking star. that was literally yeah it should be star versus club mx more points in oakland oh yeah i did miss one sorry i actually yeah i skipped it before i thought uh, our last one was um 
was Eli versus VCR championship pick. I, I oh, missed one. I apologize for the uh, thousands of people currently watching. Uh, Star Racing Yamaha versus Club MX coming up this weekend. Uh, checkers, I know you, you you like yourself some star guys, but uh, Debo, you've been flying the flag for club lately. Well, you know, I I, I love Phil Nicoletti. I'm a big fan of his. Um, we talked, you know, a while back last summer. Um, and he, Enzo Lopes, you know, I think he is well. He's under, been underrated. He, he got hired by uh, JGR when he was kind of unknown. He's been doing phenomenally. Um, I don't wasn't really happy with with him in his in his triple crown. Uh, speaking of uh, of Lopes and Phil, you know, he's if they keep putting those big old green lights on his forks, make him look like a leader. I think Phil, for those singles, uh, he, he hates to be embarrassed. He looks like a dork. And so I think he wants to be out front. Um, Kitchen and, uh, and, and and Robertson, it's tough because those are two of my big favorites as well. But uh, it's always look nice to see when a team like Club um, competes with the factory squad like they have this season. And, uh, and, and, and two veterans, I think, I think Lopes is more of a veteran than – than Kitchen and and Robertson, and I believe uh, that Nicoletti is as well. But um, if they can get out front, put their name in a hat, show that gear out front, FXR, and put the brand out front, I believe that that they they don't have to beat necessarily Kitchen and and Robertson to uh, to show that Club MX belongs. Um, obviously, J Mart is kind of struggling a little bit and waiting to this outdoor season. But I don't know. I think that uh, I think that Lopes will show another top five finish. I think Robertson will might struggle a little bit. I think Kitchen might struggle a little bit, and uh, and Nicoletti will put them both on the ground. He's just angry. <laughs> angry Phil, right? Um, angry Phil. Before I argue against them, I want to give a shout out to the Club of Mexico guys. Their vlog that they have is is super well put together. It's like TV show quality. If you haven't been watching them, I would um, highly recommend. They're really giving you a really good in depth behind the scenes look. Um, but. Behind behind is kind of a theme because they're going to be behind star racing for sure. At the end of the day, a factory team is going to consistently be more up front. You have or Levi Kitchen, who, I mean, he hadn't had supercross results. So I had question marks on him coming in. He has gotten better and better each week. He looks really good. He's really fast. Um, he's coming off of a win, which is just reassuring him that he's going in the right direction. And I know Debo, you convinced me before the season that Styles Robertson was going to be real and, and better. And guess what? He picked up a race win at Anaheim yeah. too. And Absolutely. I messaged you guys from San Diego and I was like, holy cow, the star guys look really, really good. They look very confident. They look like veterans out there. When you, you watch a rookie guy go, they might go fast, but they're scrubbing all over and they're kind of bouncing from tough block to tough block, it seems. And then you see the other guys, the, the more veteran guys, they're going fast, arcing their corners smooth not making mistakes clean on the landings and it looks almost effortless and that's what the star guys both have going on they're really clean on the bike uh, and i think that just creates a little more consistency and also the factory team they they just simply have more resources and that allows them to be more consistent and the reason the guys are on the factory team is because they've proven to be more consistent throughout their whole body of work and their whole body of career I think Enzo Lopes, he's very hot and cold. I don't think that he's going to be there every single weekend. Nicoletti is good on starts, and he has been good in the whoops. And if we want to keep beating that drum again this week, there's two whoop sections and a big old dragon's back. But I'm guessing Phil is thinking death cross with the dragon's back. Um, he's probably happy about the whoops, though. Um, a short start again this week, which takes up less floor, which is nice. 
Um, and it was very similar to a two start. Nicoletti made a terrible decision there and went to the far inside gate um, in the last race there. And that ruined his overall because he ran into the tough blocks. You can't do that. You can't try to play it safe. And he is a little old for the class. He's too smart for his own good. You have to go a little bit dumb on a short start like that because you have to be banging bars into turn one. Club MX does not get as many points as Star Yamaha. Stamp it. Which way did you go for sure, Denny? What's your final answer? I said uh, I said Club MX is going to take these kids down. And I thought you brought a great point up. Uh, even regardless of everything we've talked about, if you're a 17-year-old and you're wasting all your energy doing scrub, stop it. Please stop it. Rethink your entire process. It looks you think so scrub cool, though. Fucking triple? It's stupid. And lastly, just to say that checkers, you're going to be wrong again. I hate when you're always wrong and I'm always right. It makes our friendship this not as strong. <laughs> I would beg to differ. I think that it bonds the two of you. Well, we have we we, we have a lot of bonds and uh, and, and a lot of arguments. So <laughs> I'm so I mad the fact of- <laughs> that he yelled at my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> we uh, no, we're we not going to talk about the, the Dallas the Cowboys. We're so talking about this. <laughs> All right, so we've mixed in like we're, we're going to pretend like we're going to throw in our title picks for the 450 class in this part, and now it's time to throw it over to uh, to Checkers to talk about the contact sport of Supercross. Well, not even just the contact sport of the Supercross, but let's talk about just one corner, the last corner last weekend in Tampa. It was a freaking steakhouse out there. They were serving up T-bones all night long. It was amazing. <laughs> I just want a camera sitting on the inside of that corner and I'll just subscribe to that live stream. We have Devin Simonson in one of the most brilliant last turn LCQ T-bones and he stays on his dang motorcycle even when he launches into Welton, makes the qualifying spot. Um, I love Devin and he's a great personality. You guys have heard me on the shows talk about him uh, a ton um super underrated he came back he's had a head injury for like a year and had to take time off and time off because he couldn't get up and get racing and riding so so stoked to see him back and in these main events it was awesome and then of course you got last turn hunter lawrence comes in and gets thrasher racing down to the last turn are you kidding me for a win unreal and then let's not forget Cade clayson just dropping josh hill for the 450 heat race last transfer spot Best part about that, watch Hill's vlog. He laughs about it and goes, Hey, I would have done the same thing. You can't be mad about it. Like, that's how that's supposed to go, by the way. Um, speaking of supposed to go, Anderson drops Barsha the first lap of the main event. Barsha, one of the guys that's known for putting people on the dirt. But guess what? Barsha hasn't happened to him. Wah, 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 wah. We're going to go cry to the AMA, and Anderson's going to get put on probation. All these other passes were way worse than the one that happened to him. We're not even talking about Justin Hill on Dean Wilson for 13th place in the last turn. Talk about just racing down to the finish. Absolutely smokes him. But the part that I didn't see until last night was, holy crap, poor Dino. He gets launched. His bike's facing backwards in the other lane from Justin Hill. And Barsha runs him over. He he tries to run back to his bike. And Barsha comes around, probably has tears in his eyes from Anderson hitting him. And he's getting ready to go cry to the AMA, not looking where he's going absolutely shoulder checks poor wilson back to the ground who's already the most broken rider in the field anyways Uh, can we just have that last turn at tampa every single weekend it was incredible if if there's a 180 that that proceeds the finish line just put a fucking camera on that corner at all times if you're the producer do not go to that live stream 
Right? ISO cam. Just set it right fucking there and let's just see what happens. Because as Checkers explained, so many incredible instances that we did not see on television. And Checkers went deep, deep into the fucking uh, social media, posted our group thread. Thank you, Checkers, because the whole that we all heard about, you know, that we didn't know what happened to Wilson, that we found out a hill killed him. And then the the Barsha incident of him just literally just throwing him elbow over the top. Holy cow, man. From now on, if you work for fucking Feld, if you have a Peacock app or camera, put a camera in the last corner and just let it run all fucking day long. I'm going to share the 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 Barsha-Wilson incident if you haven't seen it in the last turn as Dino's trying to get up and boom! boom just Dude, I, I watched that 10, 10 to 15 times when you sent out a thread. Like, I was trying to just gather what happened right there. <laughs> You just see his bike go ghost riding and then bursts oh. into it. Dean's just like walking off the track, like, oh, what else is what else is new? And boom! boom. Oh. oh man. <laughs> I, I love it. Well I done. absolutely Very love well it. Done. Uh yeah, and that, that was a well done segment, my friend. I appreciate you uh including that for us there. Checkers. Um, all right, it's time to debate with Debo. Denny Stevenson. What? If anything is wrong with the current crop of 250 riders, why do riders like RJ Hampshire, Pierce Brown, Jordan Smith, and the list goes on, on forever, continuously go fast and yet crash? Well, um, guys, that's a, that's a, that's it's it's much deeper than I think we can cover. We can even it's cover it about 120, 120 seconds. Um, it's not so much. The rider is the fact that checkers. I have argued this a, a lot. You know, I think the fact that the factories insist that these riders must win on a 250, uh, gather a 250 Supercross title before they're willing to ride, give them a 450 effort. I think it's bullshit. I think, uh, you know, I won a 125 title in 1990. Obviously, much different. I'm not comparing with these guys right now because we got moved out a lot, and I was one of the few that had a factory ride in my arm when 25 was a, geez, it was a fire breather, but. I don't think you need to have a, 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 a regional supercross title to, to, to be a good 450 or 2D rider that, you know, of that, of that level. I think, um, I think we're wasting these guys talent in this class. And I think we've already seen it. Look how good uh, Colt jumped up to first round of sixth, uh, first round for Justin Cooper, a seventh. I think these guys need to have these things, these factories and these teams need to give these kids, well, they're not kids any longer, but these 20 some year old riders, an opportunity to ride a 450 and uh and 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 stop i mean do you do you really want to have uh adam stinsorella for two more years who hasn't really done a lot you really want to have justin barsha who's running fifth every year when I mean, what is the time when you want to step up someone newer and younger and more hungry and more capable of possibly winning a race and a title you know i mean i'm just shocked that the factory teams depend on this 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 status this stats you know, that you have to have a, a 250 Supercross title to make you a worthy 450 rider. I, I think that's more of the problem than what we're seeing with crashing and whatnot. I think, I think RJ Hampshire might be a, a phenomenal 450 rider. I think, uh, will we ever know? I don't know. Will, will we ever see Cameron McAdoo on a 450? Fuck, who knows, man? I mean, we've rate, they've already been in this class for 10 years and we've got these other guys that just are not moving out and they keep giving them more rides. So I blame on the factories less, way more than I blame these riders. You know, I'm a big fan of, the, of I'm a rider. 
the teams get, need to get their shit together and, and get their, their priorities straight and, and give some of these younger guys a, a, an opportunity on the big bikes. Well, I mean, it just brings me to the, the, I could solve all the problems in the world. All right. Or well, at least in this world, you pay these 250 guys a lot of money because they're potential race winners. And you hope that someday they don't crash enough to put a championship together. Sure. Is that's their goal. And their other option is to go to the 450 class on not factory equipment and make less money. That's why the guys aren't moving up and that's why they're staying there. And that's why you have to show that quote race winning speed on a 250 and they keep crashing. So why in the heck can't we go back to let these guys, I mean, you have guys on star racing Yamaha, you have guys on rockstar Husqvarna, you have guys on factory Honda that they have 450 programs in house. Let them ride some 450 races. Perhaps you see, wow, that guy rides a 450 really, really well. And maybe instead of crashing out of the 250 class over and over, hey, I can get them to go be smooth for a season of 450s and deliver me top 10 finishes and build something new. And maybe somebody else is better in a 250 spot. That's okay. You keep them down, but give them an opportunity to prove that they can ride that 450 with good equipment and then make good money because they're a good 450 rider and they have good hope. I mean, we saw it a little bit like Jeremy Martin at one point had a 450 deal because he got second at Daytona. Like he was ripping on a 450. We just, we don't allow these guys at all. I would love to see RJ Hampshire on a 450. My theory is actually that he would crash way less because he has to push the 250 so hard to go the speed that he goes. Whereas a 450, I think he can actually smooth out a little bit and he could be a phenomenal 450 rider, but we'll never probably find out because I don't see him ever winning a 250 title. So he's going to stay there on factory equipment, collecting a lot of money until he decides that he's too broken to keep racing anymore. But that's how you solve the problem, in my opinion. And I have an idea. Brad, I said I wanted to give some stuff away. Why don't we take this question to Twitter and have people respond all week this week, and we'll give stuff away next week on our live show um, to one of our favorite answers. So how do you solve the problem of the current crop of 250 riders crashing over and over? Throw her on that Big MX Twitter. Whoever wins, I'll, give them, I'll send them a shirt and a hat, and whoever, just a response that we like, we'll just go through them and, and pick it out. I think that's a really cool way to give it away and also let people know about all the awesome stuff we talk about on this show, like how Denny's wrong about pretty much everything. But in this case, I, I don't think so. I mean, you win a 250 title, it doesn't mean you're going to do well on the 450s, but that's the only way you get a good shot at it. You know, if you look at the 450 class, it's full of a bunch of champions. And then then where does it go? It goes to literally Cade Clayson, Justin Starling, Kevin Morans, guys that never really got a shot at all on 250s and moved up to 450s and gradually just working class heroes. You know, I there's got to be room for a, a third or fourth place 250 guy to move up and do well. You would think, right? Like it's you, they should be able to slot in the middle there in the main event. So uh, just an interesting thought, but I think I solved the problem already. Let racers race opposite coast 450s. Jet Lawrence should be doing it. And so should many other riders. Rockstar Husky has a freaking 450 sitting still right now. Why do we not see RJ Hampshire on it is beyond me. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, honestly, I think the thing that holds back a lot of guys from wanting to go to the 450 class is it's not even just anyone that moves up to the 450 class that struggles. Even champions in the 250 class get there and find out that the pace is real up in the 450 class. And I think that is the, the main precursor as to why most a lot of 250 guys just are, are very shy to move up to the 450 class because even with the, the, the clout of having a, a 250 title under your belt, um success is no way shape or form guaranteed and without it like honestly the only guy who i can think of that has 
won a championship without a 250 or 125 supercross championship is none other than Jeff Emick. And that was quite a long time ago. Yeah. You know, I, I hate throwing around the, you know, I mean, I grew up with Jeff, <clears throat> love Jeff to death. Uh, what he accomplished was phenomenal. It's a big step, you know, and, 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 but I, you know, 30 years ago, 1988, you know, was my first year racing 125 and 250. I rode both classes, man. I literally rode both classes in 1988 at 17 years old at at the Meadowlands uh, up in New York. I rode both classes. I I qualified. I basically rode every lap I think that we possibly rode that night. And I, uh, I stepped off the 125. I got a podium that night behind, uh, I think, Mike Jones and maybe Todd to hoop. And I walked in, got on a 250 and rode the 250 main event that night as well. And, and I'm not saying that that's anything. I'm not tooting my horn, but I mean, that was just something that we did at the time. I think we, I gained a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge by racing against the world's best on the bigger bike. I also rode both bikes, you know, in amateurs. I don't think a lot of these guys are riding both bikes in amateurs. A lot of these guys, I talked to Ivan and Loretta's and, and, and all of his guys ride 250 only. They don't even get on a 450 until they, they turn pro. I just think that some things maybe need to be changed a little bit, try some things differently. I'm not definitely not trying to throw my 30 years ago shit out, but it's something I did back then. And I, and I think it helped me. And I would like to think that it could help these kids today a little differently instead of this, this, this scripted diagram that they have for these kids that I don't like at all. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more that, that we need to give guys an opportunity to show what they can do on a 450. I mean, I think back to all the way to Loretta's um, speaking with Tony Alessi, who in my opinion is one of the most educated people in motocross, just because he's such a student Love Tony. and he was talking about McAdoo and he's like, man, I just can't wait till the kids on a 450. I want him as a 450 supercross rider. I'm actually surprised that that hasn't happened yet, but I think Cameron's making really good money and still personally wants to win that 250 Supercross title and and believes in it. But it wouldn't surprise me if if Tony's throwing him an offer sooner rather than later to get on a 450. Yeah, move them up. Let's see these kids race. They can do battle and move it, move up because the uh, the young kids are coming. Certainly, uh, guys like Hayden Deegan are proving exactly that. Uh, boys, it's time to dream on. And when I talk about Dream On, I mean MotoXDream360.com, otherwise known as MXD360.com, as well as our fantasy uh, series so far. Uh, As you can see on the graphics so far, um, my team has been decimated by injuries on the East Coast, uh, but we're heading back to the best coast. I mean the West Coast, uh, where my team is a lot stronger Two actually, I my, on my team is the only two guys that have actually won races so far, which is why I was leading before we went to the east. Uh, I now find myself trailing by I believe that's uh, is that twenty six points. It's no. twenty. Let's be honest, you're getting your ass. It's sixteen <laughs> points. Oh, that's that's ugly. Um, but uh, behind me, even further, is a man known as Checkers. Uh, Checkers, can you walk us through this a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean. Literally half of my team has gone via injury and I'm not just exaggerating. Mm-hmm. It was half of my team had to be replaced. So that's the number at the bottom, right? Um, Danny, you want to run or Brad want to run through the format just because I can't see it in front of me right now since I'm, I'm showing everyone who our teams are, but we, we did a snake draft to set these up and then we're tracking it through the first eight races. Um, and then we'll redraft again in, in a reverse order. So I'm not stuck with these guys forever. Just it's been a rough first eight weeks losing my number one draft pick, Malcolm Stewart right away and losing Muscan and 
losing my whole 250 class it seems like on the west coast at least other than i mean i at least still have rj hampshire there to crash out yeah i mean Certainly. for me i i love making games i, I you know I, i'm you know, the motor extreme guy um you know i created it year to 20 some years ago and it moved on to another uh format and now i, I created the salary game I just love having games. I love playing fantasy uh, sports. And so we came up with this, this draft game. We drafted teams, drafted players, drafted writers, as we call them now, not players and writers. And, uh, and if you lose writers, you can, you can pick up another writer and, and checkers. Yes. You have kicked, you've been kicked in the nuts all this summer or all this uh, winter supercross because a ton of injuries. And after eight rounds of supercross, we will redraft our teams and we'll do it again. But as of right now, I'm very fortunate. I have in three different draft leagues. I get with some friends. I get our OG uh, text thread friends, uh, Facebook and the big MX thread. And I have not lost a single injured writer. And I have not spoken this out loud because I know that I'm probably. Oh, that's done now. Done, done. I've I've, I've, I've not even put this on text and I never typed it. I'm in three threads, three leagues, and I have not a single injured writer. And I'm expecting to lose everyone this weekend in Oakland. <laughs> please let please let Pierce Brown, Cameron McAdoo, and uh Lopes, Enzo Lopes know that they uh may want to grab a lucky Five. rabbit's foot or Up something along those lines <laughs> to stay safe this coming week. Yep. So that's our uh our, our draft team updates and um I'm just hoping that my guys survive um through the rest of these eight races because I'm literally running out of people to put on the racetrack that can at least make main events it's at this point it's it's a little ridiculous it's been it's it's been a little a little rough but but that means I get number one draft pick when we redraft and I also want to remind you guys that we've done these draft games for moto uh the motocross of nations as well as we did like the salt lake seven when they came back and i'm undefeated in these games and it's a long 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 season so guess what i might be at the back right now but i'm really just setting myself up for that number one draft pick for the second half of the supercross season bottom line we love moto and we'll find a way to compete with each other and love the sport that's just uh that's just what we do bottom line Absolutely, we do. Now, so it's time to play MXD 360 um, with us. We're going to set our teams. We're going to figure things out. And for those who don't already know, um, you, you get eight slots, four in, the, four in the 250 class, four in the 450 class, but you've got to be on a budget. Each one of these riders has a certain amount of salary that they demand, and the highest-ranked guys demand the highest-ranked salary, just like in real racing. Um, but there is some value that can be had. You have to spread, spread, spread the love around, spread the money out evenly, and figure out exactly what you're going to do as far as who you're going to pick. Uh, you can blow your budget on some high, high-priced guys, or you can uh, see, find some diamonds in the rough. Um, Denny, you set the 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 handicaps, or not the handicaps, but the salaries rolling into this particular week. Um, I'm completely beside myself trying to figure out how I'm going to stretch this, uh, like trying to stretch the uh, the nickel to the beaver shits. I think is the is what the Canadian term is. I don't know if there's a a, a similar euphemism as far as the American nickel. Yeah, it's called a forty dollar lap dance in the champagne room, and we're not getting a goddamn dollar for it. So, I am a. Uh completely shocked how badly I'm doing this year. And uh, we're going back to the West. Um, I'm not. Round two of Oakland. And so we're very fortunate in the fact that we don't have to, we're not limited on our riders, you know, as every other game we have, every other race we have, you cannot have the same riders back to back. Well, 
we're going back to the West. We're starting fresh. We got Jet, Cam, RJ, Levi, Silas. We got all these guys right now. We got a new addition, the number 100 of Matt Moss. The Australian is now on the Bar X Suzuki, and he is right at the top at $473,000. <clears throat> I think he's a complete bargain. Uh, we know what he's capable of. He was beating Brayton, Justin Brayton, someone we love and, and appreciate from the Midwest. And uh, he is probably going to be one of the top riders. Carson Mumford was going to be my next guy who I thought would be a huge value. He obviously got hurt. So uh, we are stepping into this round, well, round two, round six, whatever you want to be with your Feld or AMA. But um, we have a lot of new 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 op- options right now in the 450, uh, four, in the 250 class. And I'm very interested to see what you guys think, who you're going to go with, who are some of your better bargains in this 50 class West. Go ahead, I just Jitters. want to remind you that I might be in last in the draft league, but in MXD 360, I'm kicking the crap out of both of you guys. And I'm 14th in our big MX radio league, which if you're listening, message Brad so that you can get into that big MX radio league with us. I'm top 100 overall in the Storm Lake Honda league. And Denny, you're, like 23 points behind me. And I, I'm just going to tell you that there's, I think 23 of us in the big MX radio league and um, Brad might be 22nd. Um, <laughs> and he is, uh, he's just a little ways behind Denny. Um, I'm coming off a pretty good week. My 450 guys last week, absolutely killed it. I had Sexton, Barsha, Christian Craig, who was hot coming in, hit his top 10. And then I had Josh Hill who had his best race of the year by far. In the 250 class, I maybe only had two guys that uh, that scored me very many points as J-Mart did okay, and Thrasher had his best race of the year, which is awesome, with a second. Um, Talon Hawkins, unfortunately, laid in the beach and did terrible. And don't even get me started on Jack Chambers. You know, I listened to everybody after the opener that had picked Jack Chambers. Just, man, dang it. And, I mean, I watched him get passed out of qualifying position all the way back to sixth or seventh in the LCQ a week before in Houston. And I still, I'm like, ah, no, I got him. He'll get it better the next week. Yeah. Guess what? That was wrong. Yeah. I, I, I don't even want to explain it. Um, I don't mean to interrupt you, Brad, but I had one of four, four video writers last weekend in the main event. I Weldon crashed that first, that first heat race. I watched all my dreams crash. I already broke two TVs, three remotes, and a phone. And I'm I'm like, man, I had to go to the neighbor's house to watch TV because I lost everything. And that is the greatest thing about fantasy uh, motocross, supercross, everything we're doing right now. Because it's something you really don't want to do because it will ruin your weekend very quickly. And Marshall Welton is one of the guys. Uh, Chambers got me. Uh, AJ Cantazaro, your fucking homie right there, who teaches Jet and Hunter how to win races. Hey, um, he delivered for me the week before. No uh, problem. Um, I don't know if Ian's watching, but I give up, by the way, on the Zaro versus Munoz thing. The Munoz train is rolling right now. He's he's too great to be overcome. Ian Riley knows best, man. I'll tell you, Frederick Yamaha over there, and uh, he knows what he's picking. But I'll tell you right now that I, I was second, I think, in the 40 class. But you have to just figure out a happy medium all the way around. And, um, God, it was terrible. I I I got. I got to figure this. This is my game, and I'm getting my ass kicked so bad. Yeah, I feel like John Madden getting destroyed in his own video game. Right, <laughs> Brad. Do you do you have anyone you want to swear about with your team from last week? <laughs> oh, wow. my my team from last week. Well, I can only see my four. I, I know I probably went with Welton. I can't. Remember, I can't remember exactly who I picked. Although, is it on the? Is it on the email? No, it's not. 
No, it's okay, not. fair it's enough. I, I got my ass hand. I'll, I'll tell you who I had on the 450 class because it'll they're X'd out for me. Uh Nichols did a bunch of nothing. Um uh Jason so Anderson many. decided to load a shotgun and point it directly at his foot and my foot in that way, uh, to, to shoot himself right in the foot. Uh that wasn't great. Kyle Chisholm. Uh, a bit of a bright spot, I suppose. 19th is not nowhere near any type of career best or even what he would expect from himself. So a down day for him as well. Uh, Nichols outside the top 10. I missed the um, the hot rider by one. That's awesome. Good for me. The only bright spot that I had was Aaron Plessinger getting his uh, first podium of the year. He was on my team. Can't pick him this week at a race that I probably would have preferred to grab Matt. Let me just say one thing. Yeah. Whatever whatever team you pick on Thursday and Friday, let's just just roll with it. Don't look at lap times. Don't try and do okay. anything else. Because it's it's not going to work well. Because I I have completely I'm so busy on a Saturday that I'm you know I'm 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 I've got like what four of our games, six of our different uh, fantasy games playing. So I try to keep with it up with it all, and I don't even hire my team until a lot of times until Saturday night after the qualifying. And that is a huge mistake. Do not sit sucked in. Whatever you think's right, take your first uh, instinct and go with that. And, I, and what do you guys think? Have you had? Have you completely grenaded your team on a Saturday afternoon team from what you had on Friday? Um, I, I have a ton in the past, and honestly, this year I've I've done it a lot less. And usually, the guys that I switch out, I completely regret switching them out. Um, I think on a Thursday, you you look at the total kind of body of work of the rider and how their year is going and your overall feeling on, on them. And so you have, you're putting a lot more data in to get more of an average to know what to expect. And as soon as you look at qualifying times, you're just looking at one little pinpoint of data for one lap. Yes, it was on that day, but a lot of times it's definitely misleading. And um, in another fantasy league, I, I did it last week and I freaking pulled off Josh Hill and put on Freddie Norn and God dang it. I'm regretting it because it, it, it made a very big difference as Norrin. I don't know. I've never seen someone go so sideways off of a great before as he did on that LCQ start about T-Bone Hill, who was actually lined up right next to him. Um, he was so sideways. It was, it was pretty gnarly, but um, I did put up this week's 250 class of uh, salaries on the, on the screen for everybody that's watching to see if you guys want to dive in and, and maybe point out someone that's a value or, or not a value. I will, first of all, before tossing it to you, Denny, I will say I think uh, Matt Moss is totally overpriced. Um, I watched him in Paris getting his butt smoked by Chris Blose, who is basically a 10th place rider right now on a factory Cowie. Um, and he's on a bar X Suzuki. Um, I think that they're, they're an okay bike and program, but it's certainly not a factory program. And that was, it's okay for Moss to not be on a factory bike racing in Paris when guys fly over with just suspension and no, no one's on a factory bike in the 250 class over there but he's going to be going up against star Yamaha's pro circuit Kawasaki's. And of course the factory Honda of jet Lawrence, I don't see it um, with only a couple of weeks on the bike, Matt Moss doing all that. Well, I don't see him getting a top 10 bonus. That's for sure. Well, we have, we have seen Suzuki's get good starts. You know, we have seen Carson Mumford get a great start. We've seen Derek Kelly back on Suzuki. So we've seen guys get a good start on a Suzuki. And I think that's, it's, it's hugely, uh, is 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 strong but yeah it's been strong it's been a difficult season so far for the uh, you know welton and anybody else on that 250 suzuki is getting kind of getting their ass kicked um but you know that's the whole thing 
with MotoExtreme360.com, you're not going to make up a huge amount of points uh, in one week. I don't offer that availability. I try not to. I want to be. I want you to be able to hire your your favorite riders, the riders who are going to be on the, the screen, the, the riders you're going to watch on a Saturday night on the television on Peacock app. And so, yeah, I mean, Matt Moss is what raced. He's right now based at, at the eleventh uh place on salary list but i think he's very capable of getting a top 10 and with the top 10 list it's not double points it's a 10 point bonus because i never want anyone to go deeper than they have to to go look for shit we're not negative 16 we're not a handicap time league nothing wrong with all that stuff but we're a little bit different with this and uh i think that moss is a good value and uh and we Derek kelly was a hot rider last week he's now not a hot rider so if you want to win in Water Extreme and win that, that Storm Lake Honda CRF 110, if you want to win uh, some gear, you want some prizes, you're going to have to be consistent each week. You can't just throw some Hail Marys. This ain't, this ain't the Brett Favre League, I'll tell you. That's uh, really you, too bad uh, you're about $2,000 short from being able to take uh, uh, Benny Bloss there, uh, Checkers. Yeah, so Benny Boss is it's, he's a fantasy dream or a fantasy killer, and yes. I mean he's coming off of a good week, so I don't think that you could. I don't think I could go with him. I was just looking at. I think Josh Cartwright is a, a really good value along with Clayson. Um, Kate seems if to have you a went lot with Pierce luck. Brown instead of Mitchell Oldenburg, then you can afford uh, Benny. You're you're laughing. You're joking, right? Like Oldenburg is one of the most solid guys out there. Like he's going to be probably third to fifth. Uh, Pierce yeah. Brown, he might be able to get third, but there's a good chance he's going to get 18th place. Um, I just wanted to free up a little bit of space actually for Max Volan. I think he's actually a decent value um, as I was clicking around a little bit. And then um, I think Mitchell Harrison's a pretty good value in the 250 class. And don't Should sleep be. on Brandon Share. He had less than a week on the bike before A2, put it right into the main event. Um, he's got a lot of experience on the Suzuki. Um, he wants to be there. He's a veteran that's as long as he's in the main, he's going to finish the race. I think that's super important, but they're not going to get you, you know, outstanding points by any means. Um, you could always go $23 for Austin Politelli. Um, I know that they've done some testing and got him much happier with his motorcycle um, hmm. than he was at 18. 16 bucks for Harriman isn't bad. Like that, so you want a bargain. If you're looking for someone cheap. Chairs, what do you think of Brandon Ray? I know you've been uh, really following it like myself. He's been he racing. He went and raced. He did very successful, made some money. What do you think of Brandon Ray at 80, at basically $9,000? So he's been right on that bubble spots, right? And he has plenty of speed to make the main events. Um, he's he's still young. I think it's his second year of Supercross. He's a little loose, which is risking, you know, you fall in a heat and then you have Sleeping a bad start in LCQ right or you fall in the LCQ. Um, the other one I think you definitely got to look at, and the reason you, you see me clicking around maybe, the one I haven't taken off at all is Cole Thompson. He is a veteran guy. He's going to be in the main event. He's going to do the laps, and he's been racing these last two weekends. I think Cole Thompson is very, very likely to be in the top 10 and hit his bonus, and he's the, the he's much cheaper than a lot of the other guys that are hot eligible. So I think those are the guys that I'm looking at. Um one thing to think about with the 250 class, but you have to pay for it, is there's not a lot of depth as far as the very, very top of the field. You have Jet, you have Cameron, and you have RJ Hampshire. Right now, those guys have really solidified themselves as the three best in the class. I don't think anyone would argue other than when they both had issues at A2. Um, so the chances of them not getting a top three are 
fairly slim, but you have to pay a lot of money to get them. Um, and so for me, I'm actually staying away from them as of right now, although I would love to have Jet Lawrence on my team. It's almost a guaranteed 26 points. It's, it's a $900,000. And his, our, the salaries I build upon and, and, and create them with are based on their points. And Jet, like his brother and uh, like the points leader with Eli, they're, you're going to pay for it if you think you're gonna get, you want 26 points solid. And back to you, Brad, you're Canadian, you know, you've watched a lot. What do you think Cole Thompson, uh, uh, Checkers spoke of him. He just rode two 450 rounds on his 250, one of our favorite hot rod, uh, hot sauce teams at Solitaire, and even even uh, Dominique Theory. But what is your thoughts on Cole Thompson? I think Cole Thompson is going to benefit from having uh, gone out there and, and continuously been racing. Um He's typically a guy who gets stronger as the series goes on. Uh, he's fit. He's a smart racer. He is a good starter, not a great starter. I expect him to be. Uh, I expect him to be twelve to twelve to fifteen this this weekend. I think uh, um, there's still some meat on the bone there. Um, he, he 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 could definitely go out there and make some special things happen. Um, but my honestly, my best my best bargain on the board right now would either be Brandon Shar or Brandon Ray. Um, who, uh, yeah, like Ray has been riding really, really well lately, especially in arena cross. Um, and he, he's a fighter. Uh, you know, the kid wants to make that happen on a regular basis. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about him. So, uh, for those who are, are, are looking to save some money so you can afford to put Jet Lawrence on your team, Brandon Ray not, might not be a good, uh, might not be a bad pick. Uh, even if, uh, Brandon Ray only gets a couple of points, um, it would average out that, uh, you get about, uh, maybe 10, 15 points out of them uh out of out of those two picks so uh sometimes it, ha- it pays to average out but what do you think off the top of my head because i cannot figure out this game right now even my own game yeah. are you going are you going high uh salary with jet and cameron type guys and rj or and then going with low uh guys who might not make the main or are you going to go try and go all eight guys in the main event what are you thinking well I what think i used to talk um, I was successful in that in that 450 class of I went more middle of the road salaries, almost like I'm trying to set up here on the 250 class with Oldenburg and Volan that you know that they're going to get in the main. They both have potential to be around the top five, but they're a lot cheaper than spending it all at the top. And on the 450 last weekend, um, while I had Sexton, I think I had Barsha and Plessinger, Plessinger. And that was like what I kind of based my team around was two guys like that that were more in the middle. And then um you try to you try to find one of those value guys, I guess, to fill it out so that you can make sure you have eight. I didn't end up with eight in the main, obviously. It it it, it bit me. But I think that, you know, talking to uh to JR, my brother, that he's in second in the whole league right now. Crushing, and he's been crushing, sending it with crushing. hot riders every single weekend. Um, more than half of his team have been hot riders, and he's been lucky on the gamble and they've been hitting. So maybe that's the route that you need to go to actually really do well. Like if you went Walsh, Rodriguez, Robbie Wageman, and um, I mean, you go Hunter Yoder. Even I mean, he's you go Yoder. Honestly, like what's what's happening with Jam and Josh Fariz right now? Like he hasn't he hasn't anything this year. He hasn't showed anything, but like the kid has top tens in this class. Yeah, I mean that was one of my draft guys uh, in our league as well. I thought I I assumed he would be a solid top ten to fifteen guy. You know, National he showed, 42. Yeah, exactly. He's had tons of successful nights indoors and out. And uh, along with Dominic Theory, uh, two guys I think have completely underwhelmed. And they're both on my draft team. And I'm not, you know, they're both 
whatever you're doing in this sport, you're doing well, but you know, you want to see them do a little bit better. And I think that they're not reaching their potential. And you wonder what's going on and why they're not reaching them and why, why, when I hire them, I can't win more races with them. It's very disappointing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've talked about a lot of the guys, a lot of the value in the 250 class. You guys want to pop over to the 450s and, and look at a little bit of that? Yes. Let's move on over to the 450 class where there is definitely some bargains to be had. I already mentioned Benny Bloss. I think he's a great pick. Um, like uh, a big floor, long whoops, long legs on Benny Bloss. I like that. Um, obviously that he is, he's had a little bit of propensity to hit the ground lately, but I think, um, uh, I don't know why I feel this way, but I do feel like that, uh, that wind changes a little bit. Um, I think if you, you hover in and around the, the Shane McElrath of the world, the, the Benny Bloss, I don't think he's going to be top 10. So he's not going to get you the, the, the extra bonus points there. Um, but he's going to be consistent and that's what's all that might allow you to pick guys like Jason Anderson and Aaron Plessinger guys that are currently selected on, um, on Chris's screen. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things I want to point out to, to look at is, um, I know Justin Starling is, he's typically a main event guy. He got busted up gnarly last weekend. He is making the trip to Oakland, but he's far from a hundred percent. Um, so I maybe want to avoid him, but definitely don't sleep on the the John Shorts, Josh Cartwright, um, Grant Harlan, Cade Clayson. They're all really cheap and can get you some main event points potentially, but they also uh, maybe don't get in. I don't think you can base your team around those guys, though, because I've made the mistake of doing that so many times thinking, oh, if I have eight in the main, I'm going to do great. Well, it, it doesn't work that way because they only get you two or three points and you leave so many on the table by maybe not spending a little bit extra to go after um, I'm looking right now, like maybe I upgrade a, um, a maybe a Savachi all the way up to like a Justin Cooper, who I think can get better results if I just make some good decisions and move stuff around. So um, right. There's, there's just so many combinations and you've seen, if you've been watching this, like as I, as we've been talking, I flip back to the two fifties, like, Oh, can I save money here? Or how can I maximize what I spend there? You really have to look at both classes and, and build a combination. It's not like, Oh, I have a great two fifty team. Now I'm going to pick a four fifty team. They have to work hand in hand together so much. Uh, it's, it's stressful. And honestly, I haven't figured it out. Like I've typically a pretty decent fantasy player at any games that we play other than when my whole draft team's injured, but I haven't figured this one out. Um, I mean, I've told Denny a million times, like I, I don't even want to put money in on the game anymore because I'm going to lose every time. I don't like losing. Losing sucks. Yeah, no, uh, checkers. I'm with your brother and, you know, and we, we talk about it weekly and Brad obviously is, is, is new to the game and, and, and enjoying it and figuring it out as well. And I mean, we have Christian Craig, who's hot. He has one top 10 out of the last five rounds. We have Cole Nichols, who's hot. He has one top 10 out of five rounds. We got Dean Wilson, who's hot. He has zero top 10s out of five rounds. You know, and so you try and cruise on this level of guys that are right in that same salary range. You take Cole Nichols. You take Adam Cincerello. You take Joey, who Joey is now no longer hot. He's been hot entire the season long, but he has a five top fives. So you just can't, or five top 10s, you can no longer have him hot. So, but, so his salary drops, but is his is his eighth uh, at, at 23 points or 25 points is equal to a Colt Nichols who can run anywhere from 12th to 7th, maybe, or Christian Craig. Man, I really don't know. Um, I have yet to go with Eli Tomac. 
because he's so much money. His salary's dropped because he got a fifth this weekend. So it kind of dropped it. But I had last week, I had Sexton, I had Pleasanger, I had Cooper. My 40 class crushed it. Then again, I only had one two-two rider in the main event. So I, if my 40 team doesn't crush it, I, I'm failing misery. What, what do you think, Brad? Well, I'm just looking at uh, like Shane McElrath. And I think if you quizzed him back in 2017, 18, when he was winning 250 main events, if you told him that uh, in four or five years from now, you're going to be sitting 17th in Supercross, uh, uh, sitting between Kevin Moran's and you got 16th. Uh, who's that? Justin Hill's like a salary just- above him now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he probably would just like he would just be shaking his head, which is probably what he's still doing now. Um, but there is some value there. Um, he's a budget pick and someone who I don't think he's going to be a top ten anytime soon. But I could see I could he's better on the West Coast than he is the East. That's for damn sure. Um, so he there's some value there. Same thing with Chiz. Chiz is uh, coming off of a couple of bad weekends, so there's some meat on the bone uh, to be had there. Uh, and then I would probably like try and like navigate somewhere around the, the, like, look at the results that you've been getting like recently in the races. And I think that's going like, to help you read the tea leaves as far as what you can expect on race day. I actually really like the team that, uh, that Chris has picked here. He's saving a bunch of money going with John short, who very well could put himself in the main and he has the fitness to go the, go the distance. And uh, I think it's going to be a longer lap time this weekend. So they won't be dealing with nearly as many lappers. Maybe he's able to race forward. So uh, Anderson, Cooper and Plessinger, great picks. They're going to have great races. I have no doubt whatsoever about that. Uh, in fact, um, Anderson might be looking at a season best this weekend coming up. Um, and Cooper's only getting better every single week. He's getting uh, more acclimated to the class. And uh, his podium percentage in the 250 class was absolutely absurd. So um, I think those are all three of those really, really good picks. And uh, yeah, hard to argue with uh uh, John Short depends on how much money you have left over. I might be a little bit more um, like I might I'd be looking forward to maybe picking a Benny Bloss over a, a John Short just because he's going to get you those four or five extra points. Um, but aside from that, this is a pretty solid team and probably why Chris is beating me in that game. <laughs> well, I will tell you one thing, though, that that really stands out to me. And it's this one right here, that red X right there on Christian Craig, because I personally feel like he is most likely the only double points rider on this list. Oh yeah, or not double like points, eight. but hot rider for to get the top ten bonus um, and get the ten point bonus. I think the only other option to go to, if you really think that your guy's going to get it, maybe Colt Nichols, or if Justin Hill just pulls something crazy out of his butt. I don't see Dino doing it, um, especially after getting absolutely leveled in the last turn last weekend. He's already been so beaten, battered over the years in his career. I, I he's comfortable riding around in the you know the 11 to 14 spots right now and and putting the laps in and having a great last supercross season just being yep. in the main events and in the races um I just I don't see any of these other guys getting that bonus so you you spend a lot of money on that Colt Nichols gamble I believe last weekend Colt was even higher up on the list and I feel bad for anyone that picked him uh Brad and missed spent a ton <laughs> of money to miss it by one um I mean I predicted Christian Craig to get a top 10. I would love to have him on my team right now for that price. That is, I think a good value still. And I think it's very likely that's at least 50, 50, if not better that he gets the bonus again. Um, so he's the one that stands out the most to me and it, it's killing me that I can't pick him. Yeah, we, we have a dramatic swing of week to week. And uh, we laughed about last weekend because I, I had Craig two weeks ago 
when he did not get top 10. So uh, I did not have, was not available for me to pick him last weekend in Tampa when he got a top 10 and you were able to get that checkers. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and once you get off that balance of, of uh, swing and you get uh, kind of out of the loop and uh, the balance and the, uh, the rotation, it's a fucking chase, man. And I've been chasing this entire game. I've never been this, this far back. I've been behind. I'm like, I'm literally, deep into the 100s right now and i'm shocked and, and dismayed and, and i'm not changing things. these the salary base is the exact same formula i've been using for three years um and dean wilson is another guy that like you just said again you want to get him you like him where he's at but he's running around 13th to 15th you know but he's still three hundred forty thousand dollars. that's a big chunk of change eli tomac do i drop eight hundred thousand dollars from run fifth like he did last week that's where i would have been i would have gone oh fuck i'm gonna go eli because he's gonna win and then he gets out and gives me what 18 points so um the greatest thing about fantasy motocross and supercross and the games we all play all the different things is 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 what makes motocross supercross so fan fucking tastic is they line them up every week man and we do not know what's going to happen and uh and try to predict it i know we would be much smarter if we could figure this shit out <laughs> absolutely it's a humbling experience i'm not gonna lie um did you guys pick uh preliminary teams by chance or i want to go through them i think i think i'm actually happy with mine as we've been talking about it um i only have ten thousand dollars left in the bank which at some point i would like a like a check in the mail for all the extra money that i have left over from my three everyone's asking million. that's a theory if i could just mail you guys a check and uh well if you could carry over the next weekend yeah, I'm not capable of that with the website. I think that, but that would be nice because uh, we could definitely have a good time to strip club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you could keep it on the website, it would be fun for a full series, but it definitely would ruin the week to week. Another thing, <laughs> mistake that I happen to make all the time is I might have like 70,000 left in the bank after I pick my team. And I'm like, oh, my team's pretty good. And I'm like, but I can't just leave this money sitting there. I have to spend more of it. And I end up maybe picking a more expensive rider from, a value one just because of that. And it's really like, it's against what I want to do and what should do. And yeah, you're just shuffling deck chairs. Yeah. Just makes a mess. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked with my team. I think Oldenburg is a top five guy. I think Voland will be five to seven. Those are solid points. I think Cole Thompson gets me the bonus. Pulitelli maybe he's finally going to put the thing in the main event and at $23. I'm, I'm good with that. If he can get through and get like a 16th, 17th in the T50 main, which I think he's capable of doing. Although I'm not going to lie. I know even if he gets in the main event, he's going to get tired. Um, training is maybe not his strong point. We'll just put it that way. But riding ability is really good. And at $23, it frees up so much budget. I probably will actually look back at the 250 class and see if maybe there's somebody at the 10 grand range plus $23 that I can replace him with. Because, you know, you got to keep second guessing yourself over and over. And then on the 450 side, Jason Anderson, he's always a threat to win. So at the price, he's the cheapest guy I feel that can win races right now on that list. Um, Aaron Plessinger, he's been hot. There's a good chance he ends up on the podium again, likely in the top five, at least. Um, Justin Cooper, uh, he's been seventh and seventh. If he gets seventh at that salary, I'm stoked. And John Short, I'm just hoping that he gets in the main event. And the thing is, if he gets in the main, he's going to ride the laps in 18th, 19th is probably about where he's going to end up. And for that value, I'm, I'm good with that. So like I said, I'm going to look and maybe look at replacing Polatelli, but other than that, I'm, I'm happy with my team. You want to hear the team that's going to win? 
I mean, you've said this every week, and I don't think you've won yet. Every week. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it until I do. I love the fact Here's... you 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 come in swinging like a goddamn ball, uh, you know, Mike Tyson, but I would love to hear what you got. <laughs> Pierce Brown leading off uh, the most expensive rider on my team for the 250 class, uh, and then Max Volan. I think those guys are both going to put in great rides, uh, number 33 and number 34 and the national number scoring. In fact, every single one of my guys that I have picked right now is a national number, which I think is a good sign. Then you have uh, Dylan Walsh picking him because he's a good starter. And with a short start, he's going to be able to get out there and stay out there up front throughout the races. Uh, I like Robbie Wageman to uh, to improve on himself recent and from recent rides. And he rounds out my 250 class. Uh, going over to the 450 class, I got three different guys in red. Leading off, we have Ken Roxon, followed by Christian Craig, who will pay off, by the way. Um, Dean Wilson and Benny Bloss. I think the like my my team, the worst finisher, might be 15th on the night, and I could totally take that home and uh and make up some points on you boys this weekend. Well, I love my GVT team. I'm pretty much done with it. I think Max is gonna do well. I gave him a lot of shit, you know, in the past. Max Bowen, I love his dad. He's going to crush it. I think he's going to run top five this weekend. Matt Moss, uh, again, love Budman. I love what they're doing over there at the Bar X uh, team. I think Matt is going to come in and run. I think he's going to run seventh and eighth. Uh, Anthony Rodriguez, somebody that you and I had spoke about when we started this entire uh, discussion uh, two months ago. Um, Brad, you were a big fan of Anthony Rodriguez, and he's been riding very well. He's put in some good rides right around kind of that cusp of 10 to 13th. I think that he's going to uh, step it up and could be a top 10 guy with 10 point bonus and Hunter Yoder, another rider that I did not even really consider. And another person that you both have talked about who is looking to step up his program and has rode very well this season, nothing like crazy, but he's been solid every round. And I'm very happy with that four rider two team. The four um, class. Real quick, Denny on, on Yoder. I just want to point out that at one time at a two, during actually twice at a two during time qualifying hunter yoder was on the board of the top five of lap times which is something i wouldn't have even considered a possibility unless it was in the b practice coming into this year let alone in the a group and i gotta really give my hat off to julian and the prmx team they have those bikes looking really really competitive and good and i know hunter's really really happy um so I, i really like the the points that you've made about the guys that could potentially get into the 10 point bonus there. Um, now you're making me rethink my whole dang team, but I'm not going to do it because I know how terrible you've been doing. So well, I'm, I'm going to stay terrible, away. But I, I think I'm pretty sure I'm maybe beating you or not, but either way, you guys have both have, uh, have, have educated me with uh, some deeper riders and, and, and your support of them early in the season. And they both delivered both, like I said, with Anthony Rodriguez and Hunter Yoder and my 40 class. Man, I, I am a shit show right there right now because I had had such a good show uh, last weekend in Tampa after my shitty TV class. I think my only thing, I have Eli Tomac, which who knows right now. If, if he shows up to be Alito, I'm, I'm going to have to chase my, and have to send him a message. He might he might call me and, and, and yell at me. But uh, my, I think the only one I really have that, I, that I'm positive about is Christian Craig, which I think is, we're on the swing. You know, we're uh, he's going to be a hot rider and he's got a 10-point bonus right there. But I already had eight uh, top fives for him. <laughs> I think we're right now at, at five top eights. So I still need five more top eights. And, and Justin Hill, I think Justin's riding really well. His worst finish was that DNF when his bike broke. That uh, When I'm doing salaries, I don't always consider that type of stuff. So his salary is very reasonable. He's a good 285 right now. And then there, I got Shane McElrath. And 
to be honest, it goes back to the 2018 Suzuki. I don't think Kyle Chisholm is riding his best. I don't think Shane Gilder is riding his best. Um, they're both far better than what they're doing right now. I think they're riding a, a, a tank, a sled, a, a yellow a bomb. Um, so I don't know. But right now, my 40 class is confused. But I think the 2D class, I'm going to go back to, again, Max, Matt Moss, Anthony Rodriguez, and Hunter Yoder. I think they're a solid four team. And I, I recommend if you guys get a chance to take them as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Leave it. And I have 124 grand. So if I can send myself a check, we're all going out Saturday. <laughs> yeah, we will be. Or we'll go out Friday and watch uh, Arena Cross. Arena Cross is going to be awesome again this uh, this weekend. Are they in Denver again? Are they back in Colorado? Um, I haven't looked. I, just, I mean, I plan on watching it. That's all that I know. I've been tuned into all of them. Love to see what they're doing over there. Love to see that they're getting some attention um they're doing a really good job on on the marketing side and i look forward to actually coming into next year when people have kind of seen this all happen and maybe start to put a little more focus on an arena cross program also want to make sure we mention brad that next week's show it sounds like we're gonna be doing it a little bit early because speaking yes. of going out i'm i'm going out to mexico to ride dirt bikes at baja so but yeah, I want to send. Uh, just I agree with you. I want to. I want to throw a, a huge amount of respect to Robin McCurry and uh, the current uh, 2023 Arena Cross Series. Much love, much respect. These guys are crushing it. Budman, uh, Ping, and, and Grant Langston doing the announcing. Um, uh, you know, um, the entire series. I, I, I'm so looking forward to what they're building. This is where I spent a lot of years, as you know, and. I love it. I'm very proud of them, and uh, I hope the series continues to grow. So uh, if you're not watching on Friday nights on MAV TV, which is a complete grenade, but I think you can get it figured out and watch some Arena Cross. So we love Arena Cross all the time. Ride TV app is working great for me. Thank you, Debo, for coming on the show. You're a uh, like a great asset to the show, uh, if not if for nothing else, but comic relief and uh, and a contrarian opinion at the, at the best of times. Uh, Chris Riesenberg, the voice of reason here on the uh, Big MX Radio Network, here doing these pregame shows are so much fun. And I'll even pat myself on the back and uh, and thank myself for uh, uh, buying Zoom Premium so that we can do more than forty minutes in a row uh, without getting kicked off of here thanks for everybody who watched whether you're watching in the archive or if you're watching this live mark taylor uh sport and wood everybody else that uh, checked things out um the numerous people that have been uh, in the chat throughout the night really appreciate it everyone checking things out subscribe so you don't miss a single one of these shows hit the notification bell so that when big mx radio posts something up to youtube you're you're the first to watch it maybe even comment something mean in the comment section below uh hit a like uh, and subscribe that would be greatly appreciated boys this was a lot of fun let's do this again next tuesday thank you brad for having us you're a huge asset for allowing me and checks to be a part of your uh your what you built and uh we, we i personally appreciate it thank you for having me brother it's a whole lot of fun. And I just want to say one more time, Dirtworks, don't change the freaking track between the night show and practice this week without telling the riders, let's keep riders safe again. I'll see you guys next week on the next pregame show as we'll be heading out of Oakland. Hopefully everyone makes it out of there alive. Round number two. Here we go.